at SifPop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello, welcome to Sip Pop Writers Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week, I'm joined by Sip Pop Writers Heath. Hello. As well as Nash. Hello, hello. We do uh, SipPop.com, movie reviews, best ever challenges, lots of other movie-related articles. Uh, so make sure to check out the website, SipPop.com, to keep up with all that. Heath very recently had a review of Blonde published. Um, mm-hmm. So that was fun to read. And uh, very... Oscars of 82, I believe. Oscars you know. of 82, yeah, that was last... 82. 81 films, I think. 82 81 films. films for the Oscars of 82. I think both of them came out this week. Uh, yeah, I believe I believe so as well. So there's some recent stuff coming that way. Uh, Nash is a very regular writer on our BEC. Um, so some stuff you can check out from all of them over at the website. Uh, we write for SifPop.com. Uh, like I mentioned, I shouldn't have mentioned that again. Wow. <laughs> but on the podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some coming attractions, some movies that are coming out this week. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, two nostalgia picks. Uh, we got two baseball themed, kids baseball themed movies for our nostalgia pick. And then we'll move on to the B plot. Uh, we'll be talk- doing a best ever challenge for baseball movies. Uh, and uh, we'll wrap up with a spinoff. But first, let's get a chance to know our writers uh, this week. Um, Heath and Nash, I got to know, um, what do you guys feel about spooky season? Mm-hmm. Uh, Heath, let's start with you. I love spooky season. I'm a big fan of Halloween. It's my second favorite holiday, only behind uh, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I used to, I used to actually uh, be different in terms of like movies. I used to not be a fan of horror, but I loved like still getting invested in in costumes and going to parties and all of that. And now in recent years, I've also gotten really into horror films. So now that only adds an extra layer of enjoyment to spooky season. Nice, Nash. What about you? Sorry, I'm still recovering from St. Patrick's Day being your favorite holiday. <laughs> I, I, my family, I, we are very, very Irish. It's a big deal. We do Great. all kinds of shenanigans. So I just, I feel like I can probably count on one hand the amount of times I've heard that. Man, I, it's, it's great because I have a personal war against Halloween. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't like Halloween, and it's, it's like, it's a type of thing where, you know, I on Twitter a lot and you see you like all the other there's like a popular meme posted about this as soon as it turns October 1st spooky season starts and I'm just like people who make Halloween their personality I'm just like gosh I can't deal with it big part of that is because my birthday is right around the same time and so as a kid it felt like my birthday was always being overshadowed by Halloween and I just I'm not yeah I'm not a big scare guy in general and yeah (laughs) I'm always I'm the Grinch when it comes to Halloween just like, let's get through October. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I know a lot of people like that, though. Like, regardless of the holiday, if you had a birthday that fell around the time of a holiday, like a lot of kids growing up hate that holiday because they took away from their birthday. So, like, that's a very common feeling, I think. Yeah, I um, I I'm recently liking spooky season. I like spooky season in general. Like, I like the like the idea of like trick or treating and. Um, yep. and dressing up in uh, in costumes and things like that uh, you're know, seeing people get excited about that kind of stuff even if I'm not necessarily doing it I like I love the the spirit of the season I love fall weather um, so that also helps and, the aesthetic um, yeah like like I love the aesthetic I'm just I'm not particularly a horror fan but I've been exposing myself to more recently and I think in general 
I think I think in general, in my personal opinion, horror films have gotten better in the recent years. Um, and uh, I, I, so I think that plays a large part into into it. Um, like, as I mentioned last week, uh, three horror films are in my top five of the year. Um, so like, that's insane. So the um, it, it's just this. I, I really like this season. I'm getting more into it and I'm trying to like lean into it in the movie side. Yeah. So. I, I, I literally did the same thing about a year ago and, and well, two years ago is when I started, but really a year ago is when I got heavily invested where it's like, no, I'm just going to start making myself watch these movies. I think I'm scared. I'm scared of being scared, not actually of the movie themselves. And once I came to that realization, it was like, oh yeah, I'll give them a try. And now I've started like burning through all these classic horror franchises. Like they're nothing, they're not scary at all, but I'm having a blast. It's a lot of fun and I'm starting to enjoy them. So like, what are you guys' favorite horror franchises? If you I think them? it's, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because, like, I've been burning through the Halloween movies recently. I've and seen I'll talk that more on, about them on later. Letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, like, they're not scary. And I didn't no. ever think they were going to be. So, like, I, it's just one of those that I was like, you watch it for the fear factor, right? But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was a little baby for a while. Still a little baby. Still a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, here's the thing I don't know that there is a good horror franchise apart from Scream. There, there are, I would say that scream is probably the most consistently best one though. Yeah. Like, at the very well, least there's that, right? Like the, the worst scream movie is probably still an average film. Yeah. So the like, worst scream film is still better than half of the Halloween movies. Like, easily half yeah, of yeah. more Jason. than half of the Friday, the 13th movies. Yeah. Like the, the, the quality of horror films, especially like modern, you know, quote unquote intellectual horror, you get things like the Babadook or Midsommar stuff like that. You know, it's, it's just very different now, the horror that we're getting. And I would consider that stuff like actual scare, like horror. But when you go back and watch some of these eight classic eighties franchises, I'm just like, these aren't scary. They're kind of schlocky and campy, but they're fun, you know? And uh, so I, although I wouldn't say my favorite horror movie is in this series, but my favorite series is probably nightmare on elm street series like i just love those i think mm. they're so zany and so out there watching freddie do some of the craziest crap i think freddie's the most interesting like character premise yes i uh, especially out of the classic like 80s people like yeah. all the other ones are pretty much like i'm just gonna chase you around and silently stalk you and eventually kill you and freddie's completely different from that he's a he's a literal psychological dream demon <laughs> like he's not even real like the other people are humans you could theoretically kill them uh, they they have died many times in the movies and then they'd get resurrected or whatever but like freddy you can't you can't defeat him it's just right it's so interesting what they can do with him i would say uh my favorite franchise would be scream but i'm looking at my letterbox and i have alien as my highest rated horror film and then cabin in the woods and then if you count zodiac um which i do i, I of, could go for that i would personally consider that more of a thriller but i could totally totally understand that being a horror that that scene in the basement of that one guy's house is yeah. one of the scariest scenes in any movie ever period and yeah. then i have and that's saw what, the the very first saw i really like the saw franchise it's not good it's a guilty yeah. pleasure of mine uh, and then I, I have i agree and then i have sinister those are the only ones i have in my like favorites list yeah. my in terms of like favorites again i think and in, in terms of franchise i like nightmare the best but in terms of like actual individual movies I'll take most of the Scream movies over a lot of stuff. Uh, the The original Nightmare 1 is great. Same with Nightmare 3. And if anyone wants to see New Nightmare, it was very underseen. That was the last Nightmare on Elm Street movie, but it was the prototype for Scream. <laughs> Wes did New Nightmare, and it was about them making a movie, a new 
nightmare movie and Freddy Krueger came into the real world while they were making the movie. And he like used that meta seed to like manifest scream. So if you like scream, you should go see new nightmare. It's really good. But, uh, stuff like that. I agree though. Uh, saw, I don't think it's a good franchise at all. After the first one, it really drops off, but that first one is still so good. (laughs) I might be writing. I I am writing about one of those for this month's another person's treasure. So be on the lookout Mm. for that because I think one of them is, freaking amazing uh and i don't get the hate for it so (laughs) yeah i i like i like a good number of them but i think one of them is undeservedly hated so gotcha yeah i would Uh, just i I guess i'm writing one on spiral because i really love spiral (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna i'm not gonna defend it here i'll defend it it. just gave it away (laughs) i'm I'm gonna i I don't care about spoiling the title here because i'm not gonna defend it here i'll defend it in the article (laughs) There you go. Now for two weeks, you're going to be like, how does Aaron like Spiral? Well, read in two weeks. Nash, I cut you off. I'm sorry. What were you saying? <laughs> no, you're good. I, I just want to, I, I would like to, to throw out a couple things. Um, while I don't like horror, I have tried to force myself to watch a lot of classic horror and I like a lot of it. Um, but I will just say that I feel like the first couple Final Destination movies are not bad. I think oh, yeah, actually yeah. kind of fun. It's it one of those things funny. where you start running out of ideas, which is I think maybe what the Saw franchise also runs into a little bit. But yeah, absolutely. I think there's elements, well, specifically the first one, but that second one has some elements that are really great. And I just want to also do a special shout out to some of the, like, they're not really scary at all, but they're kind of the grandfather of it all. The, like, classic monster movies, so Frankenstein and all that stuff. I still have a soft spot for Creature from the Black Lagoon, so I totally like, get that. I, I have a friend who last year basically was like, you need to watch all these movies. If you want to call yourself a cinephile, you need to watch these movies. They're not scary at all. They're filmed great. They look like for the time. It's awesome. And I had a blast. Uh, it was a really, it was a really wonderful piece. Are you, are you sure you watched Frankenstein, not uh, Britton Costello meets Frankenstein? Cause well, I've <laughs> seen both of them. <laughs> Just like, cause, cause those aren't scary at all. <laughs> I also want to yeah, give a right. shout out of course. And we haven't mentioned it yet to Stanley Kubrick's the shining. That movie is yeah. awesome. Yeah. And yeah, there's, there's others we could list uh, even more recently though. I, kind of along the lines of scream sometimes a good comedy horror is fun and i really like ready or not from a few years back yeah that was a lot of fun and although the second one stunk uh, i really enjoyed the first it movie when they were kids yeah. i think that one came out in 2017 i liked that one i yeah. just watched freaky like three weeks ago yeah uh, buddy that, that was, oh, a, that was yeah. a fun little movie too chris chris langdon i didn't even i think it's langdon yeah his movies are great Again, horror comedy, uh, especially when he takes tropes of other movies. Uh, Happy Death Day is my favorite one where he does the Groundhog's Day thing. Happy Death Day to you, the sequel. He makes fun of Back to the Future and Freaky. He does Freaky Friday. He's he's great. I want him Happy to Happy Death Day making, to you is is my jam. I want him to keep making movies like that forever. He also did one called uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Yeah, really I like that one. Isn't like a parody of another other movie trope or theme, but that one's still really can't be schlocky fun so yeah all right so last question i have uh in terms of this kind of subset uh do you guys have a costume planned for this halloween i do uh my wife and i are going as steve harrington and robin i forget her last name from stranger things in the scoops ahoy outfit uh their ice cream outfits from season three we already have them awesome here they already arrived uh it's gonna be fun nice well, as you've, as I've already said, I'm not a big Halloween fan. That said, all year long, my best friend and I have talked about, because at the beginning of the year, we watched uh, American Tale or A Five Goes West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we talked, about, 
we talked about dressing up as the freaking cat and the dog. <laughs> and I, that nineties Don Bluth movie. Everyone's yeah. going to get it. <laughs> the lazy eye. Yeah, I am. So I'm, I'm actually really excited about that. <laughs> it's going to be dumb. And if I'm going to celebrate Halloween, I want it to be cheesy and dumb. So, yeah, that's fair. Last year, uh, my wife and I, uh, we went as I was Wreck-It Ralph and she was Vanellope Von Schweeps, which was great because I'm fat and, and uh, she's not. Um, so <laughs> it worked out. It, it was great because especially because that's a low effort costume. That's like a, but she even like made me the, the you're my hero trophy thing. It was metal. It was adorable. Um, and then, and then a friend came with us to a hockey game that was like, wear your costume. And, uh, and so he was fix it. Felix. Yeah. Um, that Perfect. was great. This year we, we talked about doing a lot of different things and we wanted to find something we could do to incorporate the dogs. So um, it's not necessarily like, I don't think Halloween costumes have to be scary. I think it's just a day that somebody, anybody can cosplay anything. Um, so we are planning on, I'm going to be the Grinch and she's going to be Cindy Lou who, and then nice max yeah our dog cheddar is gonna be uh actually we i think we decided to swap it uh it's because cheddar has a santa coat that fits him fits him so he's gonna be santa and then um our our other dog is gonna be max um so that's what we decided so yep yeah we 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 looked at doing a couple different things we were in like oh shoot we haven't bought costumes yet and i was like we should go as the Sir Ronan and Sam Rockwell from See How They Run because that's <laughs> that'd be fun and, it would be. and and unique. She's like, yeah, but nobody would get it. I'm like, but we get to expose people to a movie we really like, <laughs> and I couldn't convince her. Uh, but that's fine. I'm I'm totally cool just being the Grinch this year. That's fine. Um, I don't have hair, but we're gonna. She's gonna put some green face paint on me, and <laughs> and I'm gonna wear a green hoodie, and we're gonna call that good. <laughs> <laughs> And a Santa hat. So, uh, anyway, uh, I have one random question for you guys before we get going. Something totally non pop culture related. I got to know you guys hit the lottery today. Uh, what are you, let's say $100 million after taxes. I don't care because uh, I don't know what the actual lottery is because I don't play it. Uh, you are not allowed to spend it on anybody besides yourself. What are you buying or what are you I'm spending not, it on? I'm not allowed to spend it on anyone but myself. Is Correct. that the condition? Yep. You have to be I'm, selfish with it. I, I'm way too old to not be practical about this. This is, this is a question for a teenager or someone in their twenties <laughs> that doesn't have a mortgage and credit card debt. So I I'm, I'm paying off bills. I'm paying so off me, my yeah. house. <laughs> You're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm paying off my house. I'm paying off bills and debt. I'm putting money away into a retirement fund and savings. <laughs> you know, I might, I, I think the most selfish thing I would do is probably I would like upgrade my house, you know, like, my wife and I want to knock out the wall from our kitchen to our living room and make it more open concept. And so like, I would do that. Woo. Very excited. I could go do that this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Nash, what about you? Well, I mean, realistically, the very first thing I would do is probably like go buy a cheeseburger or something. (laughs) And then you can have a heart uh, attack and then not be able to spend it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, American dream. I, um, I am the youth that Heath is talking about, so I think about this <laughs> all the time. I would probably, I mean, if if it's just like a completely selfish pipe dream type thing, I would really love to buy a 
like a small two or three screen like theater and just like manage a theater for the rest of my life and put out like put on movies like do movies and stuff that's like a dream that i've had since i was like 14 years old and i think if i had 100 million dollars i could make that dream happen and it's one of those dreams that's probably not going to happen in my life so why not that's fair or buy a boat (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean obviously like i'd want to pay i'd want to pay off my mortgage and uh probably upgrade my house as well and like move you know buy a bigger house and uh, uh i'd like to get a new car um maybe i'd go for a tesla you know um and uh get a um you know pay, pay the rest of my student loans off stuff like that too but I, for the fun side of stuff i'm gonna take nash's idea uh i'm gonna i'm gonna build like a two screen and we're just going to show my, it's going to have nice guys in the theater every single day. And whatever, just whatever oh. I want to put on, <laughs> that's, it's just like, we're not going to play new stuff, just only stuff that I'm just like, I really wish I could have seen that. Like, I'm going to have an IMAX screen, like for that, it'll just be like Empire and Jurassic Park and Back to the Future and uh, just all the movies, like Saving Private Ryan, all the ones that you're just like, people that are my age, and it's like, I really wish I could have seen these in theaters. And it's like, now nah, you can't. Like, I, I think that could be really cool. And, and there's definitely Mark for that so yeah like a one or two um two screen theater uh I'm, yeah i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna like buy video games and movies and like the biggest possible tv i can find and stuff like that too so buy some I little guess if i had to if i had to like give a fun answer and not like remodel the house it's both right it's a hundred million dollars it's both I, I mean yeah yeah i would absolutely take care of all the financial obligations that i have but then yeah. i i have always so i used to be really big into magic, the gathering and competitive magic. And I would travel around and do the grand Prix circuit around the country. And I have stopped doing that one because, uh, I have too many kids now (laughs) and magic is really expensive hobby and kids are more expensive. Uh, and one cancels out the other. And as well, the pandemic really shut it down where it's just like, Oh, I didn't go to a live tournament for like a year and a half. And now, if I wanted to get back into it, I'd have to spend probably fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars on more current cards that have been printed, and I, I I'm not doing that. So, uh, but what I've always wanted to do is have my own shop where I could set up like really nice tournament area where if I could have a feature match table in the middle with literally like seats built around it, like a little mini stadium inside my my store, so we could have fun tournament play and like host like regional tournament events, but also like not even just for magic, but uh, any kind of trading card game could sell comic books, could do board games uh, of people like uh, miniature games, like Warhammer, like any, any kind of like nerd culture, fun stuff like that. Come here, play your games, have, you know, like an area set aside for like land parties or whatever for video games. Like people can nerd out and just have fun. That'd be a cool thing to own. Yeah. Just a little like comic and game shop for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to come play Munchkin at your game shop. That's fine. Sounds good. I'll go win that lottery. I'll get it right on it. Cool. All right. Uh, there you go. You have to hold us accountable to what we said whenever we win the lottery. Uh, but yep. you have to buy a ticket to, to win. Uh, <clears throat> all right, let's move on to the coming attractions. Nash, where do you want to start? Which one of these three? Well, okay. <laughs> Nash preemptively before the recording said he's not interested in any of them and is now being put on the spot to pick first. All right, go. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll just I'll just say because I I haven't seen any of the Hellraiser movies and I have next to no interest in seeing the next one. I've heard I've heard mixed reviews on it, so it's like okay, well, maybe if this comes out and gets glowing reviews, and at some point maybe I'll watch it. But um, we can start there, I guess. 
All right, Hellraiser, a new film coming exclusively to Hulu on October 7th. That's just in a couple days. A take on Clive Barker's 1981 horror classic where a young woman struggles with addiction, uh, becomes into possession of an ancient puzzle box. Huh? You said 81, 87. Keep going. My bad. <laughs> it comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box on a way that its person is to summon this is the Cenobites. Uh, David Bruckner directing this. Uh, David Goyer making the story. Uh, a couple screenwriters, Ben Collins and Luke Pietrowski. Sorry, bud. <laughs> Let's see. A couple stars. Jamie Clayton. I don't, really know, I don't recognize any of these people. Is that just me being out of touch or is that just, you know? No, I mean, no, like horror horror budget. Yeah. no budget horror film. This is going to happen. It's going to be a lot Straight of people. Straight to streaming, yeah. Cool. All right. Nash already gave his kind of pseudo. We know what he's going to say on the scale. Heath, I'm going to start with you. Let's say this is the theaters only. Let's say budget, COVID schedules, nothing impacts your viewing except for your free will. Would you go catch this in a theater? Wait till you can rent it at home. Wait till it's on a streaming service you already paid for, or are you not interested? Um, I would be streaming service. Uh, so as I said, I'm just started over the past couple of years getting into horror films. Hellraiser is one of the franchises I have yet to get to, but I do have interest in it because it reminds me kind of of Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy where it's a more unique concept. It's not just someone going around stabby stabbing people. And I've been killed by Pinhead way too many times in Dead by Daylight to not be at least mildly interested or at least know a little bit about him. So uh, I think it's a fun concept, but no, I wouldn't spend money on this in theaters or to rent I would wait for it to come out streaming, and luckily, it's coming straight to streaming, so I'll actually probably watch it opening weekend. Well, I'm going to be higher than both of you guys. I'm going to go, and I I haven't seen the trailer for this. Let that be the caveat, Um, so I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Rent, because ultimately, Pinhead is not a character or a franchise that I have any experience with. I've never seen any of the the movies uh, from the past. And my my only experience with it is is also dying uh, to him in Dead by Daylight with Heath, but... (laughs) I, I think there's one part about this that really intrigues me, and that's directed by David Bruckner, who did The Night House from two years ago, and I championed that movie hard. I thought that movie was excellent. So that's gonna really that's gonna really intrigue me. So can color me interested. Uh, I'll be checking this one out hopefully pretty soon uh, when my schedule allows. But for interest level, I would go rant, not over the moon excited, you know, to go to theaters or whatever, but but certainly excited. So, uh, Nash, you want to officially tell us that you're not interested in this one? Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't, I really, I, I do not envision a world where I potentially ever see this movie, but who knows? Maybe, maybe I win the lottery too. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, if you win the lottery, you have to go see Hellraiser. Yeah. They're linked now. <laughs> they have their links. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I don't have any other notes. Just David Bruckner gets me really hyped for this one. So I don't have anything else to add. Um, anybody else? No. Cool. Heath, which one do you want to talk about? Lila Crocodile or Amsterdam? Oh, I want to talk about Amsterdam. All right. Amsterdam, the new David O. Russell film starring everybody and their mother, uh, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, Alessandra Nivola, uh, John David Washington, uh, Andrea Risenborough, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, Chris Rock, Michael Shannon, Mike Myers, Timothy Oliphant, Taylor Swift, Zoe Zaldana, Rami Malek, Robert De Niro, and I'm sure plenty more that are in the also um part of imdb synopsis is in 19 in the 1930s three friends witness a murder are framed for it and uncover one of the most outrageous plots in american history nash since he's picked i'm gonna start with you uh same scale theaters rent streaming or not interested uh man i i'm i'm really conflicted on this one because i i think i've let the pre-reviews get to me but prior to that the trailer got me interested it's it's impossible not to get interested 
in that cast, I mean, you, you, you have some of the biggest movie stars in the world all coming together. So this is definitely probably, I'm definitely going to see this in theaters. I might regret it, but I'm probably definitely going to see this in theaters. Probably first couple nights too. All right, Heath, let's hear it. I am going to see it in theaters. So uh, David L. Russell is a very controversial and not good character. Uh, with that aside, I'm still very interested in this kind of story. This ensemble cast looks amazing, sans Robbie Malik. And I'm excited to see what they can do with it because I'm a big advocate for Long Live the Murder Mystery and the whodunit. I think it's one of my favorite genres of film. And uh, I've ever really since Knives Out was the one that everyone was like, oh, yeah, people still love these. And we're like, yeah, no, duh. We never stopped loving them. You just <laughs> stop making them. Um, so I'm loving seeing so many whodunits coming back out and murder mysteries in, in prominent fashion with major talent uh, behind it. So I'm, I'm really excited to see it. I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but it's, it is opening night theaters for me. Uh, I'm going to go high side of rent it. Um, I, the David O. Russell doesn't have the pull uh, again, art from artist. Um, uh, David yep. O. Russell doesn't have the pull that he does for me that I think he has on most people. I mean, I really liked the fighter and I adore silver linings playbook. Um, but American hustle was pretty overrated and I don't like three Kings as much as everybody else does, even though three Kings is fine. I don't think anybody like loves three Kings, but they're at least like, Oh, that's a fun time. And I'm like, it's okay. But but yeah, I mean, I like this big cast and the the murder mystery element. I'm certainly more excited. Like, I want to say like streaming, but I'm certainly more excited to see this than I am Hellraiser. So like, I can't really do that, you know. So I'll just say high side of 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 rent. I'm I'm interested, but it's just and of course the cast is going to get me at least to at least to streaming. But I yeah, I I don't have anything necessarily that's like really making me like come on, you got to go do this now. So. That's it. Uh, any other thoughts on Amsterdam? Nice. All right. Uh, so Lyle Lyle Crocodile. I'll pick Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> feature film based off the children's book about a crocodile that lives in New York City, directed by Josh Gordon and Will Speck, uh, screenplay by uh, Will Davies and Bernard Weber. Weber uh, that's the, the book uh, based on the book by uh, Javier Bardem, Constance Wu, uh, Sean Mendez. Uh, Scoot McNary, Sal Viscuso. Let's see. All these voice actors, by the way. No, some of them voice actors. Um, Lyle, Sean Mendez, voice actor. My bad. <laughs> Lyle on Crocodile. Let me be the first to say I am totally uninterested in seeing this movie. Uh, it, it's nope. Does not look good. Anybody else? I will. I, I'm not really interested in seeing it, but it looks like a fun, cute family movie and finding something that I can watch with my girls is something that I like to try to do. So while I don't think I would spend money to go to the theaters with the family on this one, cause it doesn't look that good. Uh, I could see us renting this, but yep. otherwise not really interested personally. Nash. Okay. So man, I, I could probably go on a whole rant about movies like this. The anybody who follows me on letterbox will probably would probably get this. <laughs> This is the type of movie that I have absolutely no interest in seeing, but for some reason, late some Thursday night, I will probably end up watching this on a streaming service someday because I'm deranged. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably I have to probably say streaming because I know myself and I will probably be watching it. But I just it bums me out. And I'm just going to say a little bit. I just feel like the actual good family movies outside of anim like animated have kind of like fallen away. And we've gotten a lot of these, like this type of movie with like 
a couple huge names in it, and it just looks so plastic. <laughs> and it's just, I'm not actually mad at Lyle Lyle Crocodile. I think I'm just mad at, like, the family movie thing kind of letting me down. Particularly, like, in the era that I was raised, I felt like there was a lot of, like, oh, this is a solid family movie that everybody can enjoy. So this doesn't really scream that to me, but I'll watch it probably at some point. You would think that the way the trend this should have gone is at least every movie is mediocre, but it feels like the trend has only separated. Like you have great family movies and you have bad ones. Yeah. So it's as like, opposed to like all the early two thousands one were like at least watchable, right? Like, yeah. like for every, for every Paddington and Paddington two, you have like that Clifford movie or the, you know, it's just like Tom and Jerry re- like live action, kind of not really live action thing where it's just, they're just total, like, what? Why? I don't understand. Right. There seems to be no middle ground anymore. It's either, you know, it's either Zootopia or it's Sing, you know? <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that you, you don't, you don't get like a flushed away anymore, you know? Exactly. That's a really good example. Yeah. So yeah, Lyle Lyle's catching, catching some strays because of, because of that. But, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Maybe the boss baby was a better example of the low of the lows. Uh, I don't. I don't watch any of these movies. Uh, I mean, I watch some of them, but like I haven't seen Singer. Anyway, yeah. Any other thoughts? You guys ready to move on? Uh, I am going to move on to other movies. I don't want them to be missed. Um, there's a, actually a lot of stuff coming out this week. Uh, Lucky's Girl Live is based off of a thriller novel, kind of like a uh, Girl on the Train that's coming to Netflix. Piggy uh, is a, a horror film that's coming out, horror thriller uh, that's gotten some buzz. But there's two big ones I wanted to mention that have come out of the festival circuits and are getting a, a lot of awards buzz and considerations. So for those who love award season or high caliber films or predicting what might or might not happen at the Oscars, keep your eye on tar and triangle of sadness. I, I think it's pronounced tar. Um, it's a film starring Kate Blanchett where she is the conductor uh, for an orchestra and it got rave reviews out of Venice and uh, triangle of sadness won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. And uh, it's also gotten pretty great reviews and it's got an ensemble cast uh, with the likes of like Harris Dickinson and uh, Woody Harrelson's in it too. So uh, those will be something for awards lovers that you might want to try to check out if it's playing in your local area. For sure. Uh, Thanks Heath for bringing those. I appreciate it. Obviously we don't have time to cover every film that comes out. And uh, definitely those are worth mentioning. So appreciate it. Uh, all right. We're, before we move on to the SIF topic, chance to promote your stuff. Nash, where do you want to send people if they want to connect to you and see all your wacky zany Thursday night watches? Yeah, I'm Nash underscore doll um, on everything. Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram. I don't care. But yeah, if you want, if you want to see me rant about movies or baseball, that's where you that's where you're going to see it. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then Heath. I am on several different websites, but the best way you could probably follow me personally is on Letterboxd. You can search the one Heath bar or Heath Lynch. Either one will find me. I watch probably about 15 movies a week on average. I write reviews for every single one of them. Old stuff, new stuff, marathon, franchise binges, uh, retro, nostalgic films, whatever. Uh, I watch everything. So, yep, you can find me there. I 100% thought you were going to say old stuff, new stuff, red stuff, blue stuff, and... Uh, yes just i'm gonna doctor <laughs> so i started smiling <laughs> nice <laughs> okay 
if you're interested in checking out more of the show, patreon.com slash sifpopwr. Plenty of good stuff for you to enjoy over that way. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, he thought a good idea that we should do a Sif Topic Primer since we're talking about two kids baseball movies. We should talk a little bit about our history uh, with the sport. I will kick us off. Baseball is one of those things that I really loved from age like 5 to 10, maybe 12, and then kind of stopped loving it and then recently picked it up again. Um, and most of that is tied to video games because I, I grew up playing MLB like 99 and then jumped to like 2004, 2005, and MLB 06, the show, is the best baseball game there ever has or will be. No no questions. Hands down, it is. It has the best roster. It has a great soundtrack. Perfect. Really reinvented the wheel. I agree for the, with you. Having played every single one of them, it's probably the best one, yeah. Yeah, it's and that like 2006 era is right in my sweet spot of of like my baseball knowledge, and then it completely drops off for me um, until I pick, I picked up the show 21 and have been playing 22, but like I, I just don't know any of these players unless they're on the White Sox because the White Sox are my team. That also explains the drop off between 2006 and two years ago because you know garbage. We, the yeah, Sox sucked. some bad years <laughs> for us, but but I'm also like. You know, I, I also I, I have an affinity for the Red Sox too. I like to consider them my one B team. Something about them and the city of Boston has just always felt like great to me. Again, but also like I was eight years old in two thousand three, so like David Ortiz and uh, Manny Ramirez and uh, Pedro Martinez, uh, like man, the glory years of Boston baseball. Anyway, modern Boston baseball. and Fenway Park is just, in my opinion. Oof. First or second You're baseball park. Off some people. <laughs> first or first or second in the league. Yeah, that's controversial. <laughs> I think I think probably second because I really really love the Giants Park, the the Coke bo- the the hitting out into the bay and the big Coke bottle. Love it. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of my history. But I love like everything baseball from like mid nineties to like mid aughts. I've extensive knowledge of of players and video games in that era and then nothing. And, uh, uh, you know, I think my white Sox are going to be good, but we've supposed to have been good the last two years. Although we won't have Tony La Russa this year. So that's, you know, this coming year. So that's, we'll be better. So we'll see. I know that's my Tony history. frustrations. Oh, so well, uh, Heath, why don't you go ahead and go next? Yeah. So uh, I absolutely love baseball, although it's not my favorite sport. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a one a and one B between hockey and baseball. Hockey is more something that I've found to love on my own, but baseball was instilled in me from my dad. That's a big part of why I love it is it's a big part of my relationship with my father. Uh, we can relate so much of our dynamic of how we talk about anything to sports or, or what's going on in that regard. Uh, and baseball being the key element of that um, to the extent that my dad and I are trying to, you talk about stadiums. We're trying to go to every stadium. I think we've hit like 16 of them so far. Um, if I had to give my, although I, I uh, don't think this is a good team. I think actually the Pittsburgh pirates have the best stadium in baseball. PNC it's park is just, it's just amazing. It's a really good one. But uh, I am a St. Louis Cardinals fan uh, born and raised in St. Louis. Uh, I am very, you're lucky having a good that, year this year then. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm well, I, I was just gonna say, I'm very lucky that, for the vast majority of my lifetime, except for in the nineties, uh, they have been a competitive team. And by competitive, yeah. I mean like playoff caliber, if not, uh, you could argue league championship caliber team. 
fairly consistently, or at least that team that has that devil magic, as people like to say, that they just find a way to win. They find a way to get into the playoffs. And in my lifetime, I've already seen them win a couple World Series. So I'm I'm very happy about that. And yeah, this year we're having between Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina setting the all-time battery record. Albert Pujols has made national, international news at this point for his home run totals. Okay, can I, can I ask a question regarding him? Yeah. He said yeah. this is his last season, but he could play another season, right? It will like, be his last season. I, but I know it will be, but like he just he's just kind of doing it on principle at this point, right? Like there's no re- he could easily play another season as a DH. He could easily play another season if he wanted to. I don't think he wants to. I think he wants to end with the Cardinals, and this is just kind of, especially like But like the this Cards would season, bring him back for another season, right? This, like this whole season has been kind of like a farewell victory lap yeah yeah we've even as we've been going to other cities like other teams have been giving tributes to molina and to albert and and i i don't see the especially because molina is done he physically can't keep going his knees are going to explode and i don't think albert wants to do it without him like that's actually a big component of it that is his best friend you feel like is so close to breaking it you feel like the cardinals would let him do it and now that the nl has the dh no he did like, break it though he got over 700 he's had but, some, but, but i mean like be number now. one well that's oh, no, that's not that no 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 number one is is it has a big asterisk on it and that's barry bonds and it's like what 766 or something he would need like three more seasons of this caliber of baseball to even get close. And he's, 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 he physically can't do that. Like Albert will die. Like he's just not going to be able to keep hitting like that. Well, I want him uh, to try it. I, I would love it, but no, it's, it's not going to happen. He's not, I'm sure if he played another season, he could pass Barry Bonds. Cause Barry, I mean, not Barry Bonds. I'm sorry. Uh, Babe Ruth. Cause I think he was at seven fourteen. Uh, but I, I no, he's going to retire. But it, anyway, long story short, baseball is a, a huge part of my life. It's, a nostalgic thing for me because it's how I personally relate foundationally to my father. I, I tour the stadiums. I'm a diehard Cardinals fan. It's, it, it's a big deal to me. Nice. Nash, Nash talk baseball. Uh, what's your uh, baseball thing? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's one of those things where any, any single person who knows me will probably say one of two things about me that I am the movie guy in every, in every room. And I'm the baseball guy in every room. Um, I have a really interesting relationship with baseball, though, because I'm from Oregon. There's no team in Oregon. There's no in, in Southern Oregon. There's not really any team even close to me. So I didn't really follow baseball for the first like 10 years of my life. There was nobody really around me who followed baseball. And then my sister, who is much older than me, she's 12 years older than me. She met her now husband and they invited me down and he's from the Bay Area and he invited they invited me down for like a. It was like a two-week thing in the summer, and I went to my first baseball game at the um, San Francisco Giants. I actually went to three in a week, and I just I fell in love. And that, like you got to keep in, keep in mind that's just, that's the era in like 2005, 2006, 2007. So the Giants are terrible, but you have Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds chasing the record. He hit a home run in two of the games that I went to. It was sold out crowds, even though they were losing you know 11-3 or something, and the only runs scored were Barry Bonds hitting a three-run bomb or something. <laughs> I and it was like from there that's where it started and then as I moved into an and as an adult and I was actually able to watch the games moved up to Portland the Giants are still my team and I was lucky enough to watch them win the championships in 2010 2012 2014 Buster Posey all time he's like he's probably gonna be my favorite player for the rest of my life that being said I have kind of 
transition to the 1A, 1B of the Seattle Mariners because I'm closer to them now. And I have now driven up because it's a lot closer. And we're in a really great – I mean, they just made the, they just made the they playoffs. They broke the streak. <laughs> they broke the streak. They have a super, super fun young team. Julio for those Rodriguez who don't baseball or don't know much about sports, the Seattle Mariners held the record for the longest consecutive streak of not making the playoffs out of all the four major sports leagues. 21 in years. 21 yeah. years since they last made the playoffs. They finally made it. Yay. And yeah, it was a huge deal. Uh, tears were shed. <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it was great. So I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan now. I, I bleed it. I, I watch all the games that I possibly can. I'm, I'm, I'm I follow them. So, and the giants are probably heading into a really down, down period of their next few years. And the Mariners are on the up. So I'm kind of like, Oh, great. So my two teams are kind of balancing each other now, <laughs> but I love baseball. If, if it's, if I, I could talk about movies all all day long and I can talk about baseball all day long. It's fantastic. I was just looking up the 2006 San Francisco Giants roster to just like see like surely there's got to be somebody on the team other no, it's than bad. Barry Bonds. Look, no. I mean I used I mean, to I mean I used to love Benji Molina of like Yair Molina's older brother. brother. I used to love yeah. him. The dude sucked. <laughs> but like he was fun to watch. I watched him leg out a triple live. It's just this is not a very encouraging roster. Like none of these names are like memorable. Look, looks like they have Moises Alou. He was, you know, kind of yeah. But at the end of his career, he was right. Of, right? Yeah, like yeah. He they was, got last year Randy Johnson Randy too. Who was like forty. Well, and and they've got uh, man, the White Sox heartened me. Uh, Ray Durham playing second base, but he he had a couple year stint for San Francisco, but. He will always be known as a White Sox. I've player. I've just been so lucky as a Cardinals fan, and I don't take that for granted at all. I've had arguably the greatest defensive catcher of all time in Yadier Molina. I think Buster Posey's right there, but I would still take Yadi behind the plate over Buster. You have what is arguably one of the top five greatest hitters in the history of the game in mm-hmm. Albert Pujols. Unrivaled, yeah. If if he if he probably stayed and played his whole career in St. Louis, where he had actual like people behind him in the lineup and had competent teams to play with. He, I, he probably sets the all time home run record. He might even break 800. Like, yeah, maybe, uh, uh we'll so never know. He, he's yeah, we'll never know, but God, like Adam Wainwright's been a stellar. We had Chris Carpenter. Like I'm so lucky. <laughs> Chris Carpenter. Well, and now really? we have Goldschmidt and Arenado, like Goldschmidt, Arenado. We have just piling up the wazoo. We it's worse. I'm spoiled. Spoiled. I just and I just want to say I am the Cardinals are among my I least favorite teams yeah. because the they all the Giants and the Cardinals always went up against each other. But I have been a Cardinal. I've been rooting for the Cardinals this year. I wanted I wanted them to make it like particularly because the Giants suck this year. I just been like I would love if the Cardinals won the World Series and they all rode off in the sunset like. That'd it's be been sick. kind of nice. I'm not going to lie, because a lot of times people hate us, which I totally get. We are the second most winning franchise in the history of the game. Only the Yankees have more titles than us. We do win a lot. Normally, that's the recipe for like people hate your team because you win all the time. But there's something special about Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, and Albert Pujols riding off in the sunset and them literally setting all kinds of records this year where it's just like, and Paul Goldschmidt's probably going to win the MVP. Like it's there's really cool stuff happening for the Cardinals, and they 
were not looking like they might even make the playoffs at the all-star break, but now they won the division. So I've heard that from a lot of people that are like, yeah, normally I hate the Cardinals, but this year you guys can do okay. (laughs) I'm a fan of the Cardinals because as a, as a team for the other Chicago team, as a support of the other Chicago team. Yeah. (laughs) Because you hate the Cubs. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Uh, I've been to a couple Cardinals games too. My college wasn't that far from St. Louis. So that our was- stadium's good. I like our stadium. Yeah, the stadium's nice. It's got a nice view of the arch in the outfield, but you know, it's no Fenway. Uh- <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. We have two films to talk about: Rookie of the Year and Little Big League. What happened was somebody said somebody suggested Rookie of the Year, and then somebody else just said, "Well, let's just make it kids baseball themed and let's do Little Big League." And so here we go: kids baseball themed movies. Somebody uh, pick uh, heads or tails for, um, let's say, rookie of the year. Heads or tails? Go, Nash. Hey, Google, flip a coin. And Google says tails. Okay, so you said tails for rookie of the year, right? Yep. All right. That means we'll talk about rookie of the year first. <coughs> 1993 film. You can find this streaming on Amazon Prime or Disney+. Plus. Uh, directed by Daniel Stern. His only directorial film, by the way. Actually, uh, both movies are both first time directors and guys who only directed one movie. I looked that up. It's really interesting. Yep. It's a, it is a fun fact. One and done. It's written by Sam Harper, starring Thomas E. Nicholas, Gary Busey, uh, Albert Hall, um, lots of recognizable faces and names, plenty of them to go through. Uh, of course, the plot for this movie is uh, when an accident miraculously gives a boy an incredibly powerful pitching arm, he becomes a major league pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. Nash, you picked this one, right? I, no, it was kind of. I mean, we kind of we kind of worked together to pick it, but yeah, I. But you suggested it first, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so why don't we start with you? Why don't you give me your history with the movie, uh, and then like, how many times have you seen it? When's the last time you've seen it? All that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was probably up there with like the Sandlot. Like, it was probably the second one of the one of the top two or three baseball movies. Like, I would watch as a kid, even like before I was a fan of baseball. I feel like it was on a lot. I. Had not seen it since I was probably like 11 or 12 years old. I remember loving it as a, as a child. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's, one of, it's one of those like, it's just one of those like absolutely ludicrous, silly ideas that a kid, you know, eats up. Like, I mean, it plays into the fantasy that you have as a child that like, oh, what if I was the guy in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded? Or, if, you know, that's just, a, that's just like the fantasy that all, all kids have. And it, and it plays into that super, super well. But I had not seen it in 15 years. <laughs> and I don't know. I Sorry, I don't know if we talk about what we think about the movie right up front. Uh, no, not, not just yet. Although okay. I do want to correct. Uh, Heath was the first one to bring it up. So apologies. Uh, but that's okay. Heath, what is your history with Rookie of the Year? Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, quick preface that if you like kids sports movies, being an 80s or 90s kid was awesome. It was like yeah. heavenly. You were blessed. For whatever reason, Hollywood decided that they were going to churn these things out constantly. And I'm talking like sometimes almost every three to six months, we would get a new one. You could get things like the Mighty Ducks or Cool Runnings, all kinds of different sports. But for whatever reason in particular, baseball was even more prominent. You had Angels in the Outfield. You had Little Big League. You had Rookie of the Year. You had the Sandlot. And the list like keeps going. There There was a ton of them. So I ate all these up. I watched them all the time. No exaggeration. I've probably seen this movie 50 to 75 times in my life. Same with the next one when we get to it. Now this one though, I haven't seen in longer. Uh, I probably hadn't seen this one in about 15 years as well. Just like Nash. Um, I watched it way more as a kid, Uh, but I've seen it a ton and 
to the point that even though I've taken such a long break from it, I did rewatch it this week and didn't skip a beat, still had almost the entire script memorized, could recite the whole thing. And uh, I will say, and Aaron, you'll appreciate this as a Cubs hater as well. So for those who don't know, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, my greatest rival is the Chicago Cubs, who is the main team of this movie. And it used to be really fun taunting my friends who are Cubs fans that, oh, hush, the last time you won a World Series was when Henry Rowan Gardner came out of the bullpen. (laughs) And that joke worked for a a good 25 years. Uh, (laughs) That was fun. Uh, but in 2016, the Cubs had to go and ruin that and break their curse. Uh, so I can't make that joke anymore. But that was fun while it lasted. It was the worst all thing. School, all through high school, all through college, and then some, it just kept it, going. It's the worst thing being a White Sox fan because, especially now that our name is guaranteed rate field, there's nothing the special about it ex- except it. for the fire. The I, I really like the the pinwheels with the fireworks in center field. Other than but that, that's even like it's a tribute to old Comiskey that has nothing to do with right. Yeah. Like other than that, like it's, it's, it's the bland. most basic ballpark. Yeah. It's there's nothing special about it. There's nothing bad about it, but there's nothing good about it. I mean, it's just tough too when your colors are black and white. Yeah. And gray. And gray. But yeah. <laughs> and then like the Cubs, you, you may, well, but then the them, Cubs, they have like one of the most historic ballparks, a cathedral. They have, right. They have arguably, they have one of the best ballparks of all time. They have a rich history. You know, they have, Argue one of the best sports announcers in history with Harry Carey. Lots to love about the Cubs as a franchise. And so it was one of those things like as a White Sox fan, although now I'm realizing like there was a good amount of White Sox representation, but it was like you know, rookie of the year, Ferris Bueller's day off. Like some, like a lot mm-hmm. of these like Chicago things. It's like, they're always like repping the Cubs. And it's like, especially like the Cubs were bad in the nineties. The White Sox were not great, but they were better than the Cubs. It was like, why don't we like they had Jim Tomey? Frank Thomas, they were great. They were slugging. Uh, we didn't have Tomei in two thousand six until two thousand six. Really? Tomei was on the Indians. Oh, that's right. That's we right. had Frank Thomas though, and we, we had, had Frank Paul Thomas, Carico, and we had Maglio Ordonez. Oh yeah. Speaking uh, of stadiums, real quick, I just have to say this: it drives me nuts. There are some of these movies that get the stadiums correct, and I appreciate that so much. And like Rookie of the Year, most of the games are played at Wrigley Field, but some of these movies don't get it right. And even Rookie of the Year, if you look at the poster, that is not Wrigley Field. That is actually the Oakland A's Coliseum that's in the background. <laughs> I don't know why. And then Angels in the Outfield, which is about the, at the, the Angels, time, I think yeah. they were still the California Angels. Yeah. But they played in Anaheim and all of their home games were at, I'm pretty sure, the Oakland Stadium as well. <laughs> I don't know why they filmed, whatever. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> no, I was just, it's, it's, it's just. It just pained me as a child that the Cubs yeah. got way more recognition and are, are are it's one of those things that locally the Cubs are absolutely the bigger market. But you see, it's up until the last five years, you would see way more White Sox stuff nationally. Like White Sox are definitely a national team. A lot of that popularized by Dre as well. I, I would I would disagree with that. I think even nationally, the Cubs have been the bigger team. It's just that the Cubs have sucked for so long that most of their fans were dormant. <laughs> they all just came and, out of the woodwork and, and, and when they 16, had one good season yeah. in 16 they're like oh we're good again we can cheer for them publicly and people won't shame us so <laughs> I, for sure. I, yeah so anyway it's just i wanted to point that out okay so rookie of the year my history is i saw this uh, a, a bunch of times as a kid probably 10 to 15 times and uh, i don't think i've seen it in 10 to 15 years um, I remember really loving it as a kid and not not so much liking it the next time I saw it, probably in middle school or high school. But uh, I watched it again two days ago and I'll kick us off. 
On the like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay scale. I think this is on the high side of just okay. Um, I was pretty let down by this watch. Um, and so I'm excited to talk more about that. Uh, Nash, what about you? On the like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay. Exactly the same. Just like a high side of just okay. Oh, nice. And Heath. Fastball down the middle, just okay. <laughs> this, okay. This is, this is not a good movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just, it's a movie. It's enjoyable though. Like... It has its enjoyable moments. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Like, okay, this is one of those movies. I think I'm just going to spoil it right off the bat. If you have nostalgia for this movie, it's better to just let it live in your nostalgia than to revisit it. If you have no history history with this movie, you could probably have a good chuckle or two. And if if you think this is a good movie, then you're just clearly like overcome by nostalgia. Yes. Okay, so where do you want to start? You know what? I know where I want to start because this is the thing that bugs me the most. Go for it. The game ends with a a division game, right? A a, a regular season game. They yep. have the entire playoffs to go, and they just lost their ace starting pitcher. A, a, and, oh yeah, and yeah, their, their ace closer. starting pitcher who is now done for his career, and their ace closer. They're all yeah. They're all star closers. Snapped a tendon in his arm, which even the 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 the, the medical way in which they try to explain how he has this superpower is that Whatever, his it's a kid's tendon movie. refused to his bone in a different way, so that he can now throw a baseball over a hundred miles per hour. It's so ridiculous. It's a great premise for a kid's movie, to be fair. But like in practicality, you're like, I we don't believe this for a second. But yeah, they lose arguably the most talented people they had the only people that got them that far in the first place and yeah that's the last season game of the season not even into the at that time i don't think they had wild card games so that would have still been a division series and then a right. championship series and then the world series and the movie ends with henry showing us his ring and it says world series champions and i'm just Which, like no it's so be <laughs> look if the astros lost lost lance mccullers jr right now they would not stand a chance like that's not how this works. You can't lose one. You can't lose one of your best pitchers. You know, if if the White Sox didn't have Dylan Cease, we would still be we would still be out of the playoff pack, but we would be significantly lower. Like, yeah. um, you can't lose. I, I don't even think that's the right comparison for the Astros. That'd be like again, this is their ace. That'd be lo- like losing Verlander. Like, you, well, if, if, I went if, with McCullers if the because lose Verlander, like they're they're not winning the World Series. It's not happening. They don't have the. I went with McCullers because he's. I, you're right. The better comparison is Verlander because because of his age. But you know, I I went with McCullers because I feel like maybe that's more of an impact because because of Verlander's age. He's been good this year, but he's it took him a while to get good but, uh, this year. But I, what I'll say is this complaint way, may, it may bother us as like baseball fans, but it actually has almost zero bearing on the film. It's like just they win this game and then it snap cuts to like you know, him playing little league and he has a world series championship ring. So like, yeah, in in terms of the actual film. So here's my thoughts on this movie. I think it does have fun moments. I think there are moments you can go back and laugh at. Daniel Stern is absolutely hilarious as this off the wall, manic pitching or hitting coach, you know, even the, the, the gag about how, uh, Martinelli, Albert Hall can't pronounce his name as as his manager. Gary Busey is like right on the cusp of like going insane. He's not fully Busey it's yet. It's so fun to see Busey. But like this. he's he's Busey's trying in this surprisingly, and yeah. he's actually like good and enjoyable. 
Yeah, but did you buy any chemistry between him and the mom? No, and that's what I was going to get at. So <laughs> the thing that really sucks about this movie is everything that like deal with the baseball and like him going on a road trip and him having to learn how to hit and like all that stuff. That's fun. That is fun. Kid childhood antics. But then they, they stuff in his mom is a single mom and she's trying to date someone. And the guy she's trying to date is an ass or is a jerk face. And that he's trying to finagle his way to being the manager to get him a sponsorship deal with Reebok and with Pepsi, but then he's selling them to the Yankees. And all this is because this other guy actually wants to take ownership of the Cubs from his uncle. And like, there are all there's, this is not like an a plot and a B plot. There is like all the way down to a, an O. Oh, you didn't even mention all the drama with his kid, with his best friends. He's got friends that are like his best friends, but then they're not his friends because they're upset that he's playing baseball, but they knew he was doing that. And there's the girl that clearly thinks he's cute, but then he doesn't see. And then then there's this like subplot about how they really want to build this boat to impress these girls. It's just, they also, they also play baseball in this movie. I don't know if you guys. (laughs) And that's what I'm getting at is like, this movie is really overstuffed with a lot of stuff that does not matter and does not, add anything to the movie in fact it detracts from the movie and it takes away from the fun like it, it just does the fun is is when they're doing the silly baseball but, stuff but this is a mid-90s kids sports movie of course there had to be a single mom and of course there had to be a douchebag stepdad and you know all the things that you're saying like it, they had to happen it, it was it was okay. it was crucial to to the plan <laughs> of all the things i will say you say that but i as a little preview the next movie doesn't suffer from those issues. (laughs) A lot of those issues. Not as bad. There's still a single mob and there's still friendships that are, yes, it's, it's, it handles them better. (laughs) No, it handles them better, but they're still the same issues. I I think I'll also say as well, especially not to give too much away, but the lead kid in the next movie does a much better job than Thomas Ian Nichols. Thank you. In this movie, Thomas Ian Nicholas, probably best known if we're being honest for American pie is just not Ooh, good man. in this. He's, That's he's tough. really goofy and just, I, I, I don't like slamming kid actors. That's not something I enjoy doing because they're kids, you know, but it just watching him in this movie, it just feels so weird sometimes. And he, even you can even tell he was struggling with it. Like his voice is cracking throughout most of this film and the directors chose to leave those cuts in the film. I don't know why, I guess to emphasize that he's going through puberty, but we've already gotten that because we've had the interjected scenes of him being bullied by other teenagers at school. And he's got a crush on the girl. Like we get that. I, I don't know. It's just, there's something about his performance that feels so off kilter where sometimes he f- feels like he's trying to be an older teenager when he's empathizing with his mom, who's going through her struggles. But then at the same time, he acts like he's six years old when he's like on the base path going nanny, 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 pitcher's oh got a big so, which are again, like iconic, <laughs> like yeah. these, these are like iconic scenes. Like you've probably heard pitcher's got a big, but at some point yeah. in your life, it comes from this stupid nineties movie. Or you've probably even heard the term. Did he just say funky butt loving? Like, yeah, that's, that's also from this movie. This uh, one's for mommy. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it's incredibly quotable. And that's the, like, that's the stuff that makes this movie fun is it has these random moments that are just really stupid, absurdist humor. That's off the wall and very quotable and fun. But then it's just full of all these other plot lines and story elements that don't matter, that don't amount to anything in the overall grand scheme of the story. And again, the main kid is just like, not, not good. He's just not. 
So, all right. So I have a comment about him because I think I think you're right. He's not as good as the main kid in in Little Big League, and the big reason why is I, I think you're kind of you're kind of hitting it too. Is he is Thomas Ian Nicholas does really good when he's meant to be a kid, but when he's trying to be like acting older than he actually is, he's really bad and he doesn't fit the role. He doesn't know how to do that. He's not he's not there yet, and the script doesn't really allow him to do that. But yeah, I, it's totally believable when Billy does it in, in like when he comes home and he's like, you know, a Bill Haywood would you know, from the press conference. Like it's it's so much more believable because but also you look like the maturity levels of these two kids is supposed to be different. Billy is supposed to be a mature kid and Henry is supposed well, the, to not the thing be like the thing that's crazy is these and we'll get into it more when we get to Little Big League, but not to say too much. But I'll, I'll just say that the plots of these movies are actually incredibly identical in many yeah. ways. It's in terms of the themes and the story beats that these characters go through and the decisions that they make in the end. But yeah, and both of them have a single mom and both of them have a conversation with their mom where they have to be like the supportive one to their mom and say like, it's going to be okay. And then, and then simultaneously the mom flips around and is like, no, you, I'm still your mother. I'll always be here for you. And like, and the single mom is kid. dating the player you can that still we be a kid see the most and stuff like that. Out, yeah. like, the, it's a very different dynamic than when, Bill Haywood has it in little big league versus this with this. It's like almost laughable. It doesn't pull off as well. The scene doesn't work, but in little big league, it works. Yeah. It's, it's also one of those that, all right, I'm going to make one last comparison about the movie. Then I'm going to try to just focus on working of the year. The quality difference between these two movies is drastic. I watched rookie of the year on Disney plus should have been like super as high definition as high def as it gets. And it looked like I was watching a DVD versus Little Big League. I watched. Uh, I, I own an HD copy on Vudu, um, and it looked great. It looked. These movies looked ten years apart in qual in film quality, not one. Um, which which was just shocking to me. I thought for sure Little Big League would have been closer to like ninety eight, ninety nine, based off of the the film quality. So is that was crazy to me. Okay, so I think some of the, there are something there are definitely things to like about Rookie of the Year. You know, we mentioned the fun moments, we mentioned the you know the the taunting the pitcher, we mentioned uh, we mentioned some things that are good about it. We haven't mentioned John Candy though, who yep. is is yeah. so good in this role. I totally forgot he was in it. Yep, he's the broadcast announcer that is just he's silly. He's fun. He's he's a good time, and I, apparently he wasn't even supposed to do it, and then he just wanted to do it, and they were like, all right, fine. <laughs> And having and Bob Bob Carson uh, in his older age as the uh-huh. owner of the Cubs, like there's he was the biggest joy here. when he came yeah. on the screen because I forgot about him, and then they had that whole watching like, him get so excited over finding a decoder ring in his box of Cracker Jacks. It's like I want to be that happy about anything. It's like it was, it was amazing, so and that thrilled. transition worked because they're like, I hope I bet the owner's all depressed. He's like, ooh, yeah. like, it brought the biggest smile to my face seeing him. And then that sharp cuts to Dan Hedaya, who's also great as the like maniacal nephew trying to steal the team. And he's like, man's turning into a Cracker Jack. Like, just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's lots, lots to like about this film. I think one last thing that I really want to make sure I hit on that I will really want to say is a positive for this film. I respect this movie so much. Uh, about halfway through it, I was getting a little bored. And so I started scrolling some of the trivia and uh, Daniel Stern decided to make this movie and he wanted to, he wanted to take this film and really base it off of his experience watching the way that Macaulay Culkin was treated from home alone. And he wanted to use this film as a way to represent the pressure that childhood actors get and based off of that experience of that. And, and then I started to see the movie in a different light and I really respect what he's doing here. 
I I just wanted to say hats off to that real quick. I, I taking the movie from that context was a significantly better uh, and more meaningful experience. It doesn't change my overall like enjoyment of the film. It's still like meant to be a kids movie, but it was. And it's one of those things that once once I figured read it, I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of obvious in hindsight. Well, I would actually push back on that and say that's a, a beautiful theme, but it's not obvious in hindsight. That's that's. I mean, you you do get the overall, and I would say that you come away with this being like, hey, let kids be kids. Don't force them to grow up too fast. I would agree with that, but I don't think that the theme of, oh, this is because of pressures from industries and corporations, and like it sounds like the angle that Stern was going for, which those things definitely happen in the movie. Don't get me wrong. Right. Uh, but I, the pressures he, you know, Henry faces more in this movie is about trying to do good for the baseball team and not let the baseball team down and trying to, you know, not hurt his friend's feelings and not let his mom down. Those are probably his main sources of pressure. And I just, and that's, that just goes back to, you know, let kids be kids. Don't overwhelm them, but not like the, Oh, we let the machine, the corporate machine take them down, which I think it sounds like what Stern was going for. I just mean uh, by that point that when 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 I came across that trivia fact, it wasn't like I had to think about it. And be like, oh, like some, yeah, sometimes a director explains the theme of the movie, and you're like, yeah, I didn't get that. But sometimes it comes across, and you're like, yeah, I immediately get that. That's that's all I meant to say. It's not the primary theme in the movie, but I just think it. I respect the film for for ultimately like I respect Daniel Stern a lot for for choosing to do this movie for that reason. That's mostly what I meant to say. But yeah, the the. <laughs> The kid friends are not not very likable. Although the resolution is resolved so quickly, which I get. Whatever kid friendships, I don't know. Uh, you don't. I didn't. I didn't hold beef with people. You know, what eleven or something? Yeah. How, how does eleven year old hold beef? <laughs> yeah. The, the the premise is ridiculous, and it has this has the most dramatic ending of any movie ever. But <laughs> it's. It's, yeah, I was going to, that, that's something I was going to touch on. And this is one of those things where like, I know I'm venturing into a, in a, into a bad place because this is a kid's movie and it's for kids or whatever. But sometimes I have an issue with like, as somebody who's such a diehard fan, like I, I you know, you can get away with stuff. I don't care. Like it's a goofy movie. I can, that's fine. But when like you actually like defy the rules of the actual game to make something happen, yeah. like for example, I, like I wrote it down, like I don't think a hidden ball trick is legal coming out of the huddle, and that's how they get that one guy out. They like they, right. they call timeout, and then the first baseman gets the ball, and I don't think that that's a legal play. So it was like, yeah, well, the differences the, between thirty years ago and now, but yeah, sure, yeah, for for sure. And I think stuff like that just I'm like, this is one of those things where I'm like, I don't know if the person actually knows baseball very well, but you know, but on the other side of things. I, I I like I, I bought I like a lot of the the like silly on on field stuff that we talked about. He struck out Barry Bonds. He strike I think he strikes out. He might even strike out Frank Thomas at one point. Like I think it was like all that stuff is really is really fun. I saw Guerrero on a jersey. I don't oh, okay. I don't remember seeing Thomas. Gary Busey looks like he's throwing eighteen miles an hour. <laughs> like, <laughs> he really does. Give him the heater. It's like, like twenty miles an hour. <laughs> it's it's like so slow, but it's fun. Yeah, it it's it's. It's, the, there it's some, yeah. There's some fun physical gags too. Like uh, I like when Henry has to go take a nap bat for the first time. 
And he's like, all right, throw, throw me the heat. Let me see what you got. And then the ump's like, step into the box, kid. Like, <laughs> and then he steps into the back most corner, farthest away from the plate that you could possibly be, and just gets walked on four straight pitches. And just <laughs> and almost feels like he's going to die. Like, There's some fun physical humor there. Even David Stern, uh, when he gets locked in the hotel between uh-huh. the – or not – I said David Stern. That's the ba- – basketball commissioner daniel stern uh when he gets locked between the two doors in the hotel room and he's stuck there like little help now like it's there there are moments in this that where even if you're a cynical baseball lover or you're you're looking at this from like a more mature adult movie perspective where you're like all right there's still moments where i'm having fun and i'm still laughing and that's why i would say like it's still not a bad movie like it's it's a child's it's a kid's sports movie at heart and in the end, it's still that. And it gives you those kind of feelings that you would expect from a kid's movie. It's going to take liberties and get away with things. And it yeah. works. One of my favorite uh, moments of the movie was uh, when, when he goes up to bat. And, it, and there's like smash cuts between the different dialogues between the manager, the mom, and the, it, at the flower shop, and Gary Busey. And like I, like, I thought that was a really fun sequence. <laughs> As a botanist, yeah, she's oh my God, oh my God, with shears. Yeah. That's how you lose business. But and, and to Nash, to your point as well, I definitely felt that way that man, especially as a hockey fan and watching the Mighty Ducks, like there is some bad hockey being played in the Mighty Ducks. And so it's one of those that like I really notice it. But I, I noticed it here too in Rookie of the Year. I, I really feel like the screenplay writer was just like, All right, baseball and doesn't really know because like, there's even the moment I noticed was he's he's pitching uh, laundry detergent into the thing and he's like, full count, bottom of the ninth, two out. And he, th- and he throws it and he goes, he goes, strike one. It's like, that's strike three. He's out and the game's <laughs> over. Like, what are you doing? This is, you, this kid's supposed to know baseball and clearly knows nothing. <laughs> it was just, it's, I, I totally, totally agree with you. It felt, it felt like, uh, it felt like this was just meant to be a, a kid's movie with a baseball backdrop, which is again, totally fine. You can't fault it for that. Also, could we agree that Hito would absolutely obliterate that floater pitch? Like, oh, oh my yeah. god! <laughs> like that's, that, the, that's going 500 feet. Like that thing is gone. He 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 just slightly hooked the previous pitch. This one's coming in even slower, and it's lobbed. Like this thing is obliterated. This is this is more gone than some b- baseballs at the home run derby. <laughs> like there's no way. That was the thing. That. My wife walked in with about 10 minutes left of this movie, and so she goes here, and she's like, "All right, so." So big pitch. I'm like, yeah. So what's this? And so I'm like trying to explain to her the significance of like, oh, the, 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 he just found out that his mom is actually the person that he thought his dad was the whole time. Also, who cares um, <laughs> about that whole subplot? Yep. But then, then they do the floater pitch and, and she's like, this is the most dramatic thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm like, yep, you're right. And, the, and then I'm like, also, he would clobber that ball three, <laughs> three ballparks over. Like yep. they're, they're playing in Chicago right now. That ball is landing in the Mets stadium. Like <laughs> that's it, going into Lake Michigan at bare minimum. <laughs> low, no major league baseball batter, especially a batter is going to miss on a pitch like that. Well, especially a guy who's like a home run slugger that this movie right. portrays him to like, be. Look, like, look, if Bartolo Colon can hit a home run, then, then <laughs> this guy, if, if, if Bartolo Colon, a, a, a notoriously like pit, pitcher, like he's a pitcher in a national league, can hit a home run in an MLB game. Yeah, I mean, he, there's no way he knows not. I will say for, in, in defense of the moment, what Anthony Rizzo struck out Freddie Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> fair in real life 
Fair. But like still but Anthony Rizzo is a baseball player. Henry yeah. Rowan Gardner is a twelve year old middle school kid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's throwing it's, an underhand. It's, it's such a stupid a moment. Twenty There's... mile per hour lobbed baseball. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's and it's like he swings too, and he completely misses, and it's like, nope, that's not how that works. No, that's not. If you want to say he doesn't swing, and then it just goes right in the zone because he's like, no, that was over the zone or whatever. Fine. That's actually the thing too, where like movies, you you can you can tell when a movie like a movie thinks that a strikeout is so much more interesting to watch in terms of out. So every out is just a strikeout. But in reality, if that is an out, he's probably hitting it straight up in the air and coming down, and it's probably going to be the, caught by the second baseman or, or the catcher or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Foul ball territory. But like, yeah. But that was that was another thing where, also, where I was like, speak, speaking of like, it's probably more realistic. He doesn't swing. I can't think of a single movie that's ended on a on a look no swing strikeout. And I don't know why that doesn't happen because that happens in real life all the time. Again, now this is speaking from my St. Louis Cardinals bias, but in 06, when we won the national league championship series, Adam Wainwright was a, in the relief back then he was a closer and he hit the sickest 12, six curveball on Carlos Beltran of the Mets that you would ever see. If you go to YouTube and just watch it and it ended the game, Beltran doesn't even swing. And wow. And I have my I have my alternate story to that game seven or World Series last game of the World Series Sergio Romo versus the Tigers facing Miguel Cabrera who won the Triple Crown that year yeah threw a like an eighty nine mile an hour fastball down the center of the plate because M- M- Cabrera was looking for a slider and it ended the World Series so it's like that can be sick yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so I I would like movies to try that because it can be just as you know, enthusiastic and climactic. I, I, I have one more note about this movie and then I'll be done. I, I really hate when, when, uh, when these games, when these movies use actual MLB teams and actual MLB stadiums, but not actual MLB players. I know there was a couple in the montage, but it, it, it it's just another <sighs> thing. Little big league will get better. Yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's just like, it, it just, it's frustrating or at least like have actors have your actors play real people on the rosters. And I get that that's probably like money owed to the player or whatever, but it's like, it makes it so much more real and authentic and, and fun. Um, or I will, I will say seeing skinny Barry bonds get struck out in a pirate's uniform. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. But it's just, Pretty either way, it's, it's just, it's just one of those things where, where you're just like, if you're going to have a real team, if you want to make this like realistic, give me a real a real player name uh, and not just in a montage. So um, that'll, that'll be my last note. Any last notes from you guys? No, I think we've covered it. Okay. Probably not worth revisiting, but not a bad option to either. You know, it's not, it's not a bad movie. It's just not a good movie. Okay. Little big league, 1994 film. You can catch this not streaming anywhere, by the way. Um, that's fun. Uh, a I young will ab- say it is actually how I ended up watching it. It's on the Roku channel, like move for movie. Hmm. Okay, good to know. All right, uh, a young boy's bequeathed the ownership of a professional baseball team. Baseball team uh, starring Luke Edwards, uh, Timothy Busfield, Ashley Crow, John Ashton, Kevin Dunn, Billy L. Sullivan, Jonathan Silverman, Dennis Far- Farina, uh, Jason Robards, Wolfgang Bodison. Lots of fun people in this movie. Um, Nash, let's start with you. Did you like it? Love it? Hate it? Dislike it? Or think it's just okay? Are we going to do like our history with this one first? Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you got you caught me. <laughs> fine uh heath what is your history with the movie 
actually for me at least it's very similar to rookie of the year again like i said i just i watch these kids sports movies all the time i've probably seen this movie 50 to 75 times in my life the only real difference between this and rookie of the year is i stopped watching rookie of the year about 15 years ago and i still watch this one probably every two to three years um that's about nice. it nash nice yeah i think i've seen this movie probably less than rookie of the year uh but me but I feel like um, the moments I remembered from this one more um, like there, I was watching rookie of the year. I watched rookie of the year first and I was like, all right. So then one of the scenes coming up, Gary Busey is going to take Henry's mom on a date and they're going to go to the water park place and it's good. And they're going to be like, get off the bridge. Like I had that in my head um, while I was watching it. And then it wasn't until the end of the movie. It's like, Oh, that must be the other movie. So yeah, very similar. Watched it a lot. I think I watched this movie like right when COVID started because I just really wanted like a feel good movie. And I took a gamble on my nostalgia and um, we'll see if it paid off. Uh, all right. So now we'll get to ratings. Nash, do you like it? Love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? This will be fun because you're like the least like nostalgic for this one. All right. What do you think? Nice. Heath, what about you? I really like this movie. Yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. In, in terms of quality, you know, I think it is above rookie of the year, um, but not by much not by much but in terms of enjoyment this is heads and toes above rookie of the year yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say i love this movie i'm good i'm gonna say that though with the caveat of like i still gave it a three and a half out of letterbox so it probably belongs in the like it camp but there's such an energy that this movie brings that is so fun and i really only have one complaint about it um which we will get to but i also feel like i want to kick this off by letting you guys know a little bit more baseball history about me i am through and through primarily a White Sox fan. So division rival, division rival, Minnesota twins for sure. But honestly, that didn't bother me too much because one thing to know about me is that my favorite baseball player ever is Ken Griffey Jr. Because born in 1995, like favorite of all time as a White Sox fan, like in the peak of the Paul Canerco, Frank Thomas era, Mark Burley, all that. Ken Griffey Jr. is my favorite baseball player of all time. I mean, the combination of speed and power on that guy—he's—he's and—and that he's wasn't a dope user, um, not dope. He wasn't jacked up on steroids. Major props. Uh, loved, loved, loved him. And so for like the three months that he was on the White Sox was like heaven for me. Uh, even though he sucked. <laughs> anyway. I think that's also like, I'm, I remember some of the moments there because I'm just like, that's great. Like, that's Griffey. Like, he was always like, I'd be playing my MLB games and be like, first thing first, get Griffey. All right. Now, what do we do? Anyway, even, even though I think by the time I was really like following baseball, he's already on the Reds, but the games I was playing was from Anyway, so that just, that factors into it. I, I just think this movie is so much fun. And again, using real players, seeing Randy Johnson come out of the mound at the very end is awesome. And Randy Johnson has the best baseball story ever of clobbering a bird mid-pitch, uh, which is amazing. even there as the manager. Like, that's yeah. how detailed it gets. Uh, and then, um, oh, no, I was going to say, they mentioned Reggie Jackson, but he doesn't actually show up. I almost, yeah, I almost wish that, like, for the guy that plays Jerry, like, that would have been really fun to bring in, like, a just barely retired player. You know, I don't, I don't know who that would have been in that era. Yeah, I'm thinking, thinking like a Frank Thomas type, but like right after he retires, like that would have been really fun to bring in like an actual baseball player. So anyway. real, real quick before Pools. we get, get too deep into this movie, I know we did a premise for rookie of the year, but did we give the summary for this movie? I don't. I did it, before the cast. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it's very short. Yeah, I just do so, whatever IMDb picks. Yeah. So essentially it, a kid inherits the twins from his grandfather after his grandfather dies and then he makes himself the manager. It's. Again, a very silly premise, 
just like rookie of the year where a kid inserts himself into major league baseball, but gosh, this one works so much better. Uh, one thing that, that my favorite thing about this movie is that this movie has an understanding appreciation for the history, the rules, and even some of the analytics and strategy of baseball more than yep. most baseball movies, like yep. by a lot, even like, what are sometimes it's, considered some of the best baseball movies. Now this isn't Moneyball. We're not going to have like mathematical formulas to project like how many runs and we need every season to get wins. Like that's not here, but like Bull Durham is considered one of the greatest baseball movies ever by a lot of people. This is more realistic to baseball than Bull Durham is. And you know, a lot of other movies, even from the moment this starts, it starts with them at a little league game and this awkward scenario occurs where three base runners end up on the same bag and they have to explain the rule of what actually happens in that scenario that almost never happens. It's such a statistical anomaly. And mm -hmm. like throughout the whole movie is like this. One of my favorite parts is just this sequence where a guy's like, you can't make yourself the manager. You're just a kid. You don't know enough about baseball. And he's like, okay, well give me a scenario. I'll tell you what I would do. And he like, they go into this really in-depth, intricate scenario of what we would do in the bottom of the ninth with, against the or bottom of the eighth against the Yankees when we consider who's all rested in the bullpen, what who what part of the lineup are we in? You know, like it it's just yeah, like right. it's it's just a really smart baseball movie for a kids movie. Surprisingly, that <laughs> this movie yeah. also has jokes about like how how they suck at fishing and they don't even know if they're actually fishing <laughs> because they've never caught anything. And is that like just an analogy for we're doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result in sanity or like there's literally a scene in this movie where a teenage boy like has an awakening and learn, learns what softcore porn is like that is in the <laughs> movie. And, but at the same time, it's like one of the smartest baseball movies that's ever been made. Yeah. This movie really respects baseball. And again, like for my, for my age, for, for the kid that was just, I, I played MLB, you know, 99 and whatever, like nonstop. Like it, it really, it really got that side. And, and again, even more so, um, cause you're right. That scene, where he has to tell him, and, he, and he's just asking. He's just like, "All right, who, who? What are you doing? Are you pinch running or whatever?" And he's like, "All right, now who's on? And who's uh, who's in the bullpen? Who's ready?" Like he keeps on adding all these qualifiers. Like it's it's really interesting baseball strategy, and it's one of those. Uh, it, it's a really interesting, really well thought out. You can tell the screen screenwriter gets it. Uh, yep. and you can tell that he understands the sport and loves the sport. I would even say down to like how they interact with the press. One of the scenes where they're like, "All right." Billy, let me be the first reporter to second guess you. And he tries to get him to like give away information about the hit and run that didn't work because one of his players intentionally didn't do the hit and run to make the manager look bad. And instead of throwing the player under the bus, he did the managerial thing that managers do, which is, nope, I'll have my players back and I'll say it was my fault. And like, even just down to interactions like that, I was like, this feels like baseball. Yeah. It's crazy that it, it's crazy that it did too because this is the same movie, it, yeah, that you mentioned as kids' introduction to softcore porn, and uh, it's a national. Real quick aside, this is still a kids' movie. They don't yeah, actually yeah, yeah. do anything. The joke is that he's staying up late while on a road trip with the baseball team, and he orders pay per view. They you see nothing, so like it's just a joke. 
don't don't worry about that if you're considering like watching this and you're offended. Well, but there's there's also like other great moments too that I think are are really respectable because there's the moment where there's the moment where uh, the the manager the the pitching manager is is questioning and he's like, look, what are you going to do about Jerry? And he and he just mentions he's like, you can't you can't have you can't be a fan and a manager. And it's just one of those things where you're just like, Oh man, like that sucks. And I remember like, again, this movie like spoke to me because like, I remember like being on MLB Oh five or whatever and getting my favorite players and then editing their stats to make them back in their prime. Like, cause, cause, cause I wanted, you know, whatever player to be on my team. I wanted Cal Ripken jr. To be on my team and not 40 years old, you know? So, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was just always lots of, um, like, like to, to, to get that side of it too. And then like, you can't be a fan and uh, be a manager. And then to, for him to like later see, and like, again, taught the lesson where he's like, are you, are you really this excited about a single that probably should have been an out anyway? Like that's, that's an issue. So uh, it just handles, handles everything in this movie really well. Uh, now nah, she'd been kind of quiet. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean the the one pitcher is kind of a villain for a little bit, but he gets over that pretty quickly. Mike McGreevy, but even that is overcome pretty quickly. Right. Yeah, you because you, you're right. It's it's mostly Billy's his own villain. Yeah, no, but it is really fun seeing Ken Griffey Jr. and Randy Johnson and Ivan Rodriguez yep. uh, making an appearance. That's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, yeah. A couple other names that I want to drop again. We mentioned it earlier, but Timothy Busfield, who I yeah. only mentioned it because he was in Field of Dreams what is considered by some people to be one of the greatest baseball movies of all time. And he was a villain in that. It was just a handful of years before this. And now he's back and uh, he's a all-star power slugging first baseman. (laughs) And I love him. He's actually pretty charming in this movie. And uh, although he's not in the movie very long, Jason Robards, who's a legendary actor, Oscar winning actor playing the grandfather. uh, He is just so sweet and charming. Like the picture perfect, exactly what you would love to have as a grandpa kind of grandpa, but he was just so, so fun to have at the beginning of this movie. Oh yeah. I, I, I think that's actually probably true. Yeah. Especially <laughs> in the nineties. I, I think that's just a thing, <laughs> but one, one thing that I, I do like about this movie as well, beyond the fact that it satisfies a baseball itch and it actually is a fun family movie is it's actually really funny. It really, that was the thing I was going to say. It, it is, it is significantly funnier than rookie of the year. The jokes hold up incredibly well. We mentioned the soft core porn bit, but the, like there's a, there's a scene where, you know, the hotel manager tells him there's a disturbance and Billy's like, all right, I'll go take care of it. Smash cut to it's baseball players dropping water balloons out of a hotel window and Billy's helping them. And, or just like some of the jokes, it's also incredibly quotable. Like there's the, the thing like kids today are amazing. I played winter ball down in Venezuela. Kids half his age, every one of them speaking Spanish. And that's a hard language. And the other guy's like, yeah, they speak Spanish in Venezuela. And he's like, I know that's my point. It's just, or, uh, uh, another one that I really like is, uh, yeah, uh, there's an ongoing joke about this guy named Wedman that should be starting. And he's like, oh, he's the best. He always kills. He kills the Tigers. He does all these things. And Billy's like, yeah, he beats everyone. That's why he's three and seven. Like, it's just, 
and like one of the best final jokes at the end of the movie where the whole team has to work together on simple algebra because they're spoiled baseball players who know how to hit baseball hard and throw baseball hard, but don't know math. No good. And hey, to be fair, I couldn't figure it out either. <laughs> it's so funny, especially when the guy who's been the, the literal like class clown of the team up until that point in the movie comes up and just like owns everyone does the math equation turns and gives away like the, the riddle joke that's been like seeded through the entire movie about the horse's name is Friday. And like, for whatever reason, the humor in this movie really, really sells. Yeah. I mean, there's also that line where he's uh, it's, it's at the end and he says the Brooklyn Dodgers have a saying, wait till next year. Uh, and then, and then like, yeah, that's why it's just really Dodgers from Brooklyn. Like it's a, it's a really, really funny moment. And you mentioned him earlier. I just got to say to me, the best part of this movie hands down is Bowers. Bowers I is want, hilarious. I want to watch a spinoff of him. Um, Cause like it, even, it's everything he that he does. To, like take blackout Gatling out of the game. And Bowers walks up to the mound late and he's just like, I just want you to know I had nothing like, to do with this. <laughs> well, there's that. But then it's like, it's everything. Cause you're right. The moment where he goes and he solves and he's like using the formula here. And he's like, uh, he's like also horse's name with Friday. And he's, he's like, yes, my, the, uh, the Apache nation has taught me very well in the, in the form of mathematics or whatever he says. And he makes another like reference to like the, the, the tribe has whatever. <laughs> so, some other funny comment earlier, but there's also like during the montage, where he like pumps up his glove and then he throws a strike and then he has to like do it more aggressively the next time. <laughs> like he's, he is like peak physical comedy in this. And I was, I looked up his IMDb cause like he's got a really recognizable face. I was like, what else have I seen? It's nothing. It's just this movie. And he's, he's so Which good. Is a shame Cause he's actually got great comedic timing in this movie. It It is a shame because I absolutely want to see him more. Um, I, there's a, there's another running gag in this movie that I really wanted to, I wanted to find an example, but I think it's hilarious. But the two broadcasters, because you got the play-by-play announcer, and then you got the analytics guy who's like, "Well, he's three for seven in the month of May and odd in <laughs> on odd number days in ballparks that have a dome." Like, yeah, well, baseball stats for those who don't know, we keep track of everything. Things that well, do not matter that we we know it. <laughs> It's the stupidest thing because like me, me and my wife like love, like at my, specifically my wife lives for when they come up with the most random, especially because like I've been turning on baseball more frequently in our house and she's d- didn't ever watch. And she's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? It's like, I, it's fun. I get to explain to her. I get to feel smart for about 10 seconds. Like OBP means on base um, and, and all that stuff. But um, the, uh, the, the, but like we love when it's that like, yeah, on a, on, on Tuesdays that are home games that the weather is beneath 80 degrees, this player does really well. Like it's, it's, it's the most ludicrous thing. And God bless baseball analytics people. Uh, nope. <laughs> not just ba- every sport does it too, but baseball is notorious for it. And it's a specific, like that was a moment I also thought was just remarkably funny. So I, it, to, to get a little bit negative, not that I really want to, but again, just to we give should. the movies due, due diligence. It is the same plot as Rookie of the Year, which came out the year before, and it suffers from a lot of the same overcluttered plot lines and things that don't need to be here. Um, it is about a 12-year-old boy who has a single mother, and the 12-year-old boy, through odd and sometimes not realistic circumstances, somehow finds himself uh, being a part of a Major League Baseball team, and he enjoys the fun of the game, and the team starts winning. Um, but 
something, you know, struggles him down personally, uh, whether that's you get in a fight with your friends and you can't because you can't build a boat in rookie of the year or this one because you get too addicted to softcore porn, whatever may be. And then the team starts to lose, but then he figures it out and it's still all about having fun. And they decide I will just be a kid in the end and I will maybe come back to baseball at a later date. I want to enjoy being a kid. And like, that's the movie and it still has a great heart to it and everything. But the one big difference between rookie of the year and this one is rookie of the year is like an hour and a half long. This is two hours long. Yeah. This is a long movie for a very simple premise that does not need to be this long. And it's because it's still overstuffed with his grandfather died and his single mom is trying to date people. And like, just his, his, yeah, his friends still, his friends were the ones who convinced him to be, he didn't even want to be a manager and they convinced him and they look the great line. They've got the DH in the American league. How hard can it be? Like such a great line. But again, like they're, they eventually are like, no, we're, we're going to start fighting with you because you, and again, not that he's perfect. Yeah. He sometimes snubs his friends, but like still they were the ones who talked him into it. And then there's this weird thing where like, I'm going to go play stickball in a yard and call myself Jim Bond and make a James Bond reference for no reason. And like the movie takes these weird detours or like play odd ends where it just doesn't need to go there easily could have trimmed 20 minutes off this movie made it more tight and it god this would be like an easy four four stars for me out of five if that was the case that's it literally exactly what i was just saying the only negative i have is i think you trim off 15 minutes of the the slump that slump just seems to last forever where where lose benched and uh billy's friends hate him and billy's miserable like you you trim off 15 minutes of that and I think this movie easily goes up another at least half a star enough where I could could enough where I could definitely comfortably say I love it. I mean, again, I went ahead and said I loved it because I think the pros outweighs the cons in a massive way, even though it's still a three and a half star movie. I loved it. So uh, I think I think you hit the, the you know, hit it right on the head. Um, although I do like the. I do like the playing stickball with a bunch of strangers. Like it's fun. Oh, yeah. Again, I'm, I'm not fits. saying that there's not fun stuff and it, it, it fits for the moment and it works for him trying to remember the fun of the game. I totally get it, but there are just, there are things that could be trimmed out of this movie. Like, like here's, here's a good example. They, his friends get pissed at him for being involved with the baseball team too much. So then the friends make another friend to replace his spot in their friend group. This other I, friend named Lowell. And like, we get several scenes with him trying to explain how they're just trying to replace him because they missed their friend and then it's dropped and nothing like you didn't need to do that. You didn't need to spend three to five minutes building up this character lull that we're just never going to see again because it, it didn't matter. It, it didn't. It did have a funny moment though, where they're like, turns out he was pretty insightful when we let him talk. Yeah, no. And I get it. But like that, <laughs> that, that one joke is not worth the five minutes of wasted screen time. No, the better way to make this movie is to not have the friends argue at all, to not have them fight, yeah. but just to simply let them like have fun on their own and hang out with Billy when they can. But then for Billy just to see on all the fun that he's missing, but like, yeah. there's no bad feel. Like that's the, like, the it, same it message can be, come across. As simple as, Hey, we finally caught fish and you weren't there. Or like, yes, you could do stuff like, Hey, we got to play stickball or, Oh, our little league team won the championship. You weren't a part of it. Like, right. And, and not would, even in a in a guilt trippy kind of way, yeah. but just them saying like, "Hey, we did this thing. Be proud of us." And then him just realizing like, "Oh, I wanted to." I'm be there missing out that. on my childhood. Yeah. Easy way to fix this movie: turn it up another star. Yeah. Yep. I the other thing is the other thing I was thinking about as we were talking about how, how badly do you guys want? Like, I really want to see a sequel to this movie. Like, it's not going to happen. No. But <laughs> no. like, but Leave we're it. talking like years later, and it's 
you know, especially if this were to come out like 10 years ago, um, you know, then it might have made more timeline sense. I mean, I guess you, you're going to have to recast anybody anyway, so you can have it any timeline you want. You know, say that it's 20 years, say that it's that would have been 2013. Like that could have been like that would have been a lot of fun. You know, see, seeing Billy come back after he went and did college or whatever, um, seeing him come back and especially like I'm just saying you can have Bowers be the pitching coach. <laughs> like like I'm significantly in, more interested in a sequel to this than I am rookie of the year. Uh, like, I think that could honestly be a lot of fun seeing, you know, the kid that was a manager come back to do it. I, I, new I, set of players, new circumstances, lots of things. I mean, I, I think that's the nostalgia talking. I don't think this movie needs a sequel in any way. I actually love the ending of this movie. It's yeah, I think the ending is great. Movies where spoiler, but spoiler for the almost 30 year old movie. Um, But like, they don't win in the end. Unlike yeah. rookie of the year where they, off screen win the world series. No, we see the final game of the season and they lose. They don't even make the playoffs. And in in yeah. a very realistic way because the best baseball player of all time snubbed them. And and it's but it still has this heartwarming ending where they're like, "Hey, they're still here. Who's here? Everybody." And they go out and yeah. like the fans are just cheering because they're fans of baseball and, and Billy was able to bring them a season that this city hadn't seen in so long. By the way, speaking of stadiums, uh, I'm so glad that stadium is gone. The Metrodome was garbage. Those yeah. hefty bag outfield tarp walls and just in that, that AstroTurf field that they shared with the Vikings. It's, it's, it's such it's garbage. disgusting. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, but at least yeah, again, but it wasn't a nice scene Comiskey park. This, but. Yeah. This movie has a scene in Comiskey. It has a scene in old Yankee uh-huh. against, Paul O'Neill, who's in the movie, that was fun. Uh, and it has a scene at Fenway as well. But mm-hmm. just, yeah, I, I like the way this movie ended, and I, I don't think they need to revisit it. No, I, like I said, it's not that it's needed, but I'm just saying, like, as we're talking about it, like, I, I think it would be fun to revisit. But yeah, that's definitely, it's got to be nostalgia, nostalgia talking. <laughs> that's okay. Because uh, <laughs> if they would have ever made a little big league two, it would have been terrible. But yes, know, it would have. Uh, you know, unless, unless the right people are on it. So, you know what? If they decide to, to announce a sequel, uh, I'm here for it. Billy just took a longer way. Yes. That is a movie moment. That is a movie moment, not a realistic moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, for sure. And look, uh, look, especially the baseball game is what? 132 games and 162, he, 162, whatever he, and he starts, on, baseball in, fan. he starts in <laughs> spring training and he goes, so, and they're not dating until the season starts. So we're, ta- we're, we're talking like, what, like four, five months of them dating. And then he's- no, yeah, no, the, this is like, I, I'm assuming based off the context of how far they were into the season that it was like May. Like, I think, I think they said May. So like, it, I just, that's true. And like, just, yeah, they I were getting ready to go a... on like summer break. So essentially they went okay. from like not dating to engaged in four months. Five months. Look, and and as somebody that did that, like I'm I'm the anomaly. Like that doesn't happen to normal people, you know. Yeah. So uh, it was just yeah, that was that was weird. Uh, but whatever, it's a kids' movie, and you don't think about it. Baseball season's long enough anyway. Yep. Yeah, I whatever. It's a movie <laughs> moment, but the movie doesn't have too many of those, so it's okay. So and the trick plays were fun. The three or four that they did, they were yeah clever. Um, especially like I really like the you know the one where he's just and like, legal. When you're when you're gonna walk, just go ahead and steal second as well. It's gonna confuse That's everybody. Totally something you can do. You'll probably and get thrown you, out, but you can do that. Well, but you could throw it out, but then you're gonna score the run from the run yeah. coming in from third. Like you know, yeah, absolutely something you can. It, it's just lots of fun uh, as yep. a baseball fan. So okay, 
probably fair to say we're all recommending this if you have it in your childhood. I'm definitely going to say you should check it out, even if you've never heard of this movie. As long as you're, would you you recommend this to non-baseball fans? Kids movie and or you're a fan of sports, in particular baseball, you should seek this one out. It is a fun time. Yeah, if you're a fan of of kids' movies, like 90s kids' movies, yeah, you don't have to be a fan of sports to enjoy this movie. It's going to help if you're a baseball fan, but that's fair. Nice. Okay. We were, like, all right on the same page. That's insane. We know our movies. (laughs) Now, I'm sure we're going to mess this part up. We're not going to be on the same page. Uh, We are doing best ever baseball movies. We are doing best ever challenge style. So Trump rules, honorable mentions, all that stuff. Number five to number one, we'll each give number five and then we'll each give number four. We'll talk about each film whenever, whoever has it the highest. Uh, And then we'll, we'll get a chance to mention by name uh, any honorable mentions that we have, but not necessarily um, talk about that in depth. Uh, but I think we'll get the majority of the ones that we need covered. Uh, we'll go number five to number one. You know what, Nash? I think you can start us off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is what? It, no, just, just say a number, number five. five. Ooh, I'll trump that. Nice. All right. We'll talk Heath, about it why don't later. You go. My number five is The Sandlot. I'll trump that too. Okay. <laughs> My number five is A League of Their Own. I'm going to trump that. Yeah, I figured. I figured. Yep. Okay, number four is the same order. <laughs> I, I knew I knew a league of their own would be Trump. It's okay. A full round of Trumps to start. That's that's good. Nice. Then I'll Trump that again. And Heath's uh, number four. Oh yeah. So you'd say it again, and you're saying you're still trumping it above four. Yes. Okay. Then my number four is Baseball, uh, a, a film by Ken Burns, the documentary. You're gonna Trump it. Okay. Okay. My number four is Major League. There we go. All right. All right. We got one. Yay. <laughs> After five Trumps. Look, look, I, I, I totally understand that probably a league of their own is a better film and definitely a more meaningful film than major league. But I only saw a league of their own like a year and a half ago. And major league is one of those that I grew up with. I actually think I saw the sequel first, um, which maybe made me appreciate the original more major league is a damn fine sports movie. That is hilarious. And definitely not child appropriate. The first one. But, the first one, at least. The second one is more so. I think it goes down to a PG rating. Uh, at least PG thirteen, if not PG. But the first ones are for sure, like yeah, hard, hard R. But yeah, I think I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, you take this concept of a team that's trying to, or an owner that's trying to tank a team, but then players that come together and actually like wind up being something special and magical. And you know, speaking of speaking of AL Central, you know, it's it's the Indians and the White Sox are the big rivals. So again, I got some White Sox in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. I think it was ultimately the manager, but it was it was when they finally got him glasses so he could finally see, and he started pitching well, that everything else started to click. Because there was also the tension between the catcher and the first baseman or the the shortstop and the pitcher. Charlie Sheen before he went insane. It's been, yeah, it, it's been like probably 10 years since I've seen this movie, but... Yeah, because there's the because there's the moment where he walks up to the mound and he's yeah. and you think there's going to be some big confrontation. And he's just like strike this mother effer out. Yeah, and you know it's it, it, it's yep. it's it's a really fun movie and it's hilarious. And, uh, the and best, I definitely actually need to the best it. part about this. So yeah, it's it's a man. It's a team owner that wants to tank the team so that they can relocate it to Florida. Like that's the premise, and the team fights back. Because they realize that as soon as if they do move to Florida, then they're all going to get replaced by better talent and they're going to be out of a job. So that's the premise. Uh, It is incredibly funny. It can actually be quite raunchy. Wesley Snipes is in it as kind of like their like 
leadoff Willie man, Mays Hayes. Dealer, Willie Mays Hayes. Tom Berenger is like the banged up veteran catcher. Yeah, like there's a lot of fun to it. But my favorite part is Bob Euchre, who is an actual baseball announcer for the Milwaukee Brewers for decades, is the announcer in this movie. And he is hilarious. Every single line he cuts is like side splittingly laughable it is awesome and i have also seen the sequels i like you i my parents wouldn't let me watch the original major league growing up so i started with major league two eventually got to major league but like bob euchers through all of them and he is just drop dead funny i think i still saw the first one when i was a kid it was just i saw the second one first because it was around and then i sought out the first one (laughs) yeah yeah very nice all right. Okay. So that was fours. Now we're on. That was four for three. me. Yep. So that's, um, that leaves you up three for Nash. All right. Three. All right. Okay. Let's talk about it. Go Nash. Yes. The original. And then he came out with the extra inning to cover up through, I think, Oh six. Yeah. For those who don't know. So Ken Burns is, is a documentary documentarian, uh, who's been around for a long time. You probably most know him from at some point in high school, you watched a documentary about the civil war. And you heard someone like read monotone letters from like soldiers on the front, like writing back to their wives back home. That documentary, that was Ken Burns. <laughs> but he also did one about baseball. Uh, it's 1,351 minutes long. It is, it's 10, it's a docu-series technically because it, he couldn't do it all in, in one run because it's so long. And each episode he calls it the first inning, second inning, third inning, so on and so forth. And each epi- each inning is two hours and it covers a decade, uh, essentially, starting from the beginning of time from when baseball was invented, to, or at least the earliest point in which we know baseball was invented, through everything, through Babe Ruth, through the Depression, through you know the high-flying 40s and 50s, through the, the cocaine eras in the 80s, uh, the, you know, into the nineties and the steroids era. Like he covers everything, every great player of all time, every great scandal, the, the Chicago black Sox, you know, what, whatever they're, they're literally all here. It is. If you like documentaries at all, I could not recommend this enough. I, I love this so much that I completely agree. It is just, it's, it's just all encompassing Nash. Like what you said, like it has interviews from baseball players from the time it has historians, uh, sports columnists, like he just hits it from every angle. And some of the stories are incredibly moving. Like I, I cry sometimes watching this and I've watched this, even though it's that long and it takes forever. I've watched this in its entirety three times. Like granted, I'm a really big baseball fan. I don't expect many people to do that ever, but like, gosh, there's just something about this that it, it speaks to, like you said, that almost like the history of America and in, in, in some weird, profound way. And it's just, it's really beautiful. And that's why, yeah, I, you had it at number three. I had it at number four. I can't recommend this enough. And again, it's just called baseball, but to find it, it's sometimes labeled as baseball, a film by Ken Burns. So that's how you would find it. Nice. Yeah. I've been uh, looking up how to, how to get my hands on this. <laughs> I think really these days it's just you could you'd have to buy the disc set on like Amazon or like Voodoo has it. You could it. subscribe to like PBS has a documentary PBS has thing. It. Yeah, I have I own it on Voodoo. I and it it's worth it. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I just looked on Voodoo. It's like eighty bucks. Uh, worth their, it. Amazon has a DVD set for like thirty right now, uh, and the Blu-ray set is like fifty-seven. So we'll see. I know. If you, I know. If Prime you do Day get the and- hard discs, make sure you get the one that has the tenth inning. 
because the original film that he released in 94, it was innings one through nine and it ended up into 1994, but he did come out with, as I said earlier, what he called the 10th inning, which covers up through about 06, which really covered the steroid era and the rise and fall of Barry Bonds. Yeah, the one I have saved to my list says uh, 1840s to 2009. So we'll yep. see. I know Prime Day and Black Friday coming around the corner. So maybe I'll get my hands on that here soon. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so that leads to Heath's number three. My number three is A League of Their Own. Okay. Is that being trumped? Oh, yeah, it's trumped. Okay. okay. My number three is Eight Men Out. Okay, cool. That was an honorable mention for me. Speaking of the Chicago Black Sox. This movie has everything. I mean, as as a White Sox fan, you know, the, the darkest point in, in my franchise's history. But it's just told in such an excellent way, in such a way that's easy for everybody to understand. It highlights the real problems of the age. Uh, it, it highlights it, – it's a court case, essentially. It, it's it's just as much about a court case as yeah, it's it is a, about – It's a crime drama more than it, it is, is. A, a baseball movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a crime – it's a baseball crime, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, for those that about- don't know, in 1919, the Chicago White Sox were easily by far the best team in baseball, and they were bought off by gamblers in the mob to throw the World Series to the Cincinnati Reds, and they got caught, and it changed right. the face of baseball for forever. Well, and it talks about it, like it deals with all the intricacies, like the way, like, because the reason they take it is because, you know, Comiskey was a very cheap, cheap owner, owner, so would not pay for next to anything. Um, you know, that's why. You know, we have stories like Shoeless Joe, and uh, it's it, it's a great crime drama. It's it's got a lot of really great, like especially like a lot of young actors that went on to be something. I mean, they were names at the time. Oh yeah, like a lot of a this lot cast of recognizable is people. So Charlie Sheen again doing another baseball movie. David Strathairn, Christopher Lloyd, John Cusack, Michael Rooker. I mean, like mm-hmm. Sweeney. This this movie has a lot of talent in it. Yeah, uh, and then it's uh, also directed by uh, John Saley's. Um, uh, he plays a reporter to... in the movie as well. He's uh, the one who's on the train saying, "Singing, I'm blowing ball games." It's uh, th- this movie is is just awesome. It's a great history lesson if you're unfamiliar with the uh, with the Black Sox, and it's um, it's it, it's just an awesome movie in general. So, uh, okay, that leads to number two, starting with Nash again, a League of Their Own. All right, there we go. You had it highest. Why don't you start us off? I mean, it's it's funny because I there are a certain there are certain people on the internet who would not probably have this in their top five for for certain reasons. They would be wrong. And uh, there's a big reason why I. It's, I mean, that's a big reason why I have it so high. I I just I love this movie. I think I have a memory of watching this movie before really even liking baseball. It's a ton of fun. Tom Hanks is giving. I think one of his most fun off the wall performances. Um, that's also turns into a pretty emotional performance or a pretty, it's a really strong performance. Gina Davis is really fantastic. Madonna is really great. Rosie O'Donnell. It's just, you know, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Cause, but it's covering, it's like during world war two. Yes. Yeah. Like men's baseball leagues were not occurring. So yeah. Women's so baseball leagues kind of took over. As a means yes. to still make money, uh, they started in the Chicago area and surrounding metropolitan area, a four-team women's baseball league to try to create revenue where there was no revenue because baseball had been shut down to a degree because so many of the players were drafted and went to the war. Yeah. I don't know. I just It's just like when I think of 
when I think of just a really all around fun baseball movie that's about that's about baseball with just truly great characters with truly memorable lines with true like it's all that for me. It's just it like it's and it's so funny that it's a group, you know, it's a group of women instead of a group of men who are capturing that. Um, and I think that's beautiful. I think that's fantastic. Um, it, it, it has all like the like the sport isms in the movie and like that that movies love to do, but it does it better than most, I think. Um, it's like I mean, it's iconic and there's no crying in baseball is, you know, one of the most iconic movie lines of all time, even though it's wrong, because I cried two days ago <laughs> when the well, How could you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's just I I, I think it's I think it's just it's, a, it's an incredible film all around and I think it deserves its respect. And yeah, I completely agree. What so you had it at two. I had it at three and I had it at five. five. You had it at five. So, I mean, we're all pretty unanimous uh, in support of this one. It's also one of the best pro feminist movies you'll ever find it was directed also a uh, female director uh penny marshall uh probably better known for big but she is she is doing stuff with this movie and it's portrayal of how strong women are in especially showcasing because even when it comes to the non-baseball stuff like showing the the torturous things that they had to go through during the war effort and like there's one scene in particular that's that w- that makes me cry it's just so crushing where hey they're all being jovial they're getting dressed for a game and getting ready and a war correspondent comes in and is like oh i got a letter one of your husbands died and it just like sucks the life out of you and sucks the life out of the room and it's just heartbreaking and this movie is just doing something special with everything about it with its admiration for baseball with its nostalgia for old times while still being progressive on the themes of, of femininity and, and womanhood and what it means to be a strong woman. It has beautiful costume design from the era. Even like the cinematography has this like granular quality to it that just makes it feel like it was filmed in the forties. These performances are terrific and it is easily one of the most quotable movies out there the tom hanks stuff in particular yeah like you look like a penis with a little hat on and stuff like that like like it's become part of baseball lore in some weird way and i would even go so far as to say that although it's not my favorite baseball movie we'll get to my favorites and all of our favorites here in a little bit the ending for this movie where these two sisters that have been rivals for so long in different ways who have different emotional stakes into this rivalry and what it means to them and and having them come at this at a play that's now illegal, by the way, they can't even do this in baseball anymore. Uh, it's because it's been legislated out because it's so dangerous. But a a base runner is coming barreling like a train down the third base line and just bulldozers over the catcher, and the catcher has to try to dear life to hang on to the baseball. And it, it's just it, gosh, it just gets you amped up. It's just so it's a good movie. Totally, totally respect the choices. Uh, I It's just one of those that I never saw growing up and I didn't see until a year and a half ago. So I don't have quite the fondness for it. I have the respect. I'm sure the fondness will come over time. It, it's one of those movies that I've probably seen 50 times again. And I watch it. I watch this movie at the beginning of every baseball season. I watch this every spring training. It is just nice. that good. Yeah, it's great. And uh Special shout out to the show because the show is actually really good too. If anybody's is it? watching, I it. haven't gotten to watch it. Yeah, it's really good. Cool. Nice. Okay, so then that was your number three. No, your number two, Heath. 
two. No, that was my was, number two. Asher's two is oh, my three. Got it. What is your number two, Heath? My number two is Moneyball. Yeah, I'll trump that. I'll trump that as well. Uh, my number two. Bar. Huh? Yeah. My number two is The Sandlot. Right. It's, it's and that was my just, five. Yep. It's just perfect. Um, we did an episode on it a couple of months ago. I don't need to say anymore. It's just perfect. Uh, I'll talk then since you already talked about it. Yeah, this is, this is like a perfect kids movie. Like we're, we're talking about rookie of the year here and little big league and rookie of the year is okay. Little big league's good. Sandlot is awesome. It is, uh, is it is about as re- if you were ever, and it doesn't even have to be baseball, like just a kid who hung out with another group of kids, neighborhood kids in a summer and you always had a same hobby or activity or a game that you played. And then just like the crazy adventures you can get into when something goes wrong or, or whatever, this movie encapsulates that so, so well. And the types of friendships you can build and, and the stories you can make. And uh, it's just, there's an, a love and an admiration for baseball with this movie while there's such a love and understanding of it's a kid's game and let the kids be kids and just, have fun, be goofy. You're going to have adventures and it's not always going to make sense, but it's all going to work out in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It was at my, that was, it was at my number four. I completely uh, agree with everything. I just, when I, when I was kind of setting about making this list, I feel like kids baseball movies, is almost like a genre of its own. And I feel like Sandlot has to be in everybody's top five almost because it is, I feel like objectively the best. I mean, for all the reasons that were said, I mean, for somebody who like didn't have this as a kid, because I grew up in the middle of nowhere, so I didn't have the like cul-de-sac of kids, or you know, it's it's, it's one of those things that I I wanted so much as a kid, and I look at it, I look back on it now, and it's just this, and it had, but it still has all that silly goofiness, but it's it's still in there, like all the stuff with the dog, and over it's the, almost and, like, more believable too. Like I believe all the shenanigans yeah. that these kids get in. I'm like, yeah, it's, the kids would do like even down to the I'm gonna fake drown so I could kiss the hot lifeguard. Yep. Of course the, a kid this, would do that. It feels so authentic to my mom was born and raised in Virginia in the sixties. Uh, and so she tells me stories that feel like Sandlot displays them. Like, because I didn't grow up in a cul-de-sac or anything like that. And especially by the time I was old enough, it wasn't just, but she was like, no, you would just you get home from school and you go and mom, you know, mom yells for dinner and then you come back and like, she doesn't care where you are like between then. I mean, she cares, but like she trusts, you know, she's like, you just go and do. And you sometimes like you bring your friends over. And so there's just two extra mouths to feed, you know, it's just, it just has that. It feels authentic, which is a weird thing to say for somebody that hasn't lived through it, but it feels like every story that my mom's ever told me about her childhood. So, yep. Uh, okay. Uh, that just leaves number ones. So same order, uh, Nash Moneyball. Yeah. We'll save it. <laughs> no, just go ahead and talk about it now. I mean, it's both your number ones and right, number okay. two. So just go. go. Yeah. How can you not be romantic about baseball? It's just perfect. The script, the di- uh, the, the direction, the, the actors, the, 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 the way, the way that this film loves baseball is, is, is incredible. It's uh, this, this movie came out in a time where I didn't care about baseball, but I cared so much about baseball when I watched the movie. Uh, it's awesome. It's, it's just excellent. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, going back to what I was saying about like the Ken Burns documentary and how that captures everything, like the old school baseball, like, and we don't get modern baseball movies very much anymore. Like I would, when I, like when you, when you think about it and 
this captures we get fever pitch is what we get (laughs) yeah or even like a movie like 42 which is perfectly fine but like once again it's like capturing an older type of baseball that like this is modern baseball like and this is right at like the beginning of it like right at when those sabermetrics were being introduced and so like that aspect of it I, i love it's per aaron's point earlier these are all real guys that, that existed. I, I mean, there's a little bit of revisionist history going on because it's like guys like Barry Zito or whatever aren't mentioned at all, even though yeah, they, they were. They don't mention role. any of the starting pitchers, and they had one of like best rotations in baseball that year. <laughs> but like, it's it's just ca- I don't know. It just captures um, the magic and love. I mean, obviously, you're you also have somebody who I've kind of soured on more recently, but you have Aaron Sorkin writing the script. It's fast. It's kinetic. You can you can tell a lot of adoration goes in. Um, to the game itself. It's filmed beautifully. It looks beautiful. Like being able to make the Scott Hatterberg home run give you like the same amount of chills as when you watch the real thing is pretty impressive. That shot is, is so remarkable. Every time I watch it, it, it like still gives me chills. And like I, when I watch the movie, I go back and I watch Scott Hatterberg actually hit the home run because it's, it's one of those things that like, that's such a movie moment, right? It's such a perfect <laughs> thing to base your movie around and or kind of like be this like climactic moment in a season. I don't know. I, th- I think it's just I'm coming at it from uh, from a very modern baseball lens. And I get that. And I think there's a little bit of those glasses kind of on. It's just I think it's I think it's just a really perfect baseball movie. And I like I I yep. just buy into it. Yeah, I uh, I echo everything that you guys said. It, these performances, Brad Pitt's killing it. Jonah Hill's really delivering uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman rest in peace. He's, he's doing great in his limited role. Uh, I mean, it's just, I think it's a combination of really talented people telling a very serious baseball story in a modern way. That's based on truth with Again, I, I like a Sorkin script. So for me watching and hearing his snappy and cutty dialogue, like, you know, it could be them in the the clubhouse having a meeting with their scouts and be like, guys, look at your notes. Or I'm going to point to Pete again. You know, like he gets on base, just stuff like, or God, the, the, the trade deadline scene. So good. So good. I could just watch that on loop, that five minute sequence of them just making phone calls over and over, like bouncing back and forth, trying to get this, this deal done. Just, just supping about this movie is so special. And it does, it hits you in the gut. And this movie also handles a B storyline really well with his, you know, his detachment from his, his daughter and how he's trying to still keep that. But he clearly baseball is his life. And he cares more about that than his daughter, even if he doesn't want to admit it. And like how all that plays together at the end when they're like, Hey, if you do move away to Boston, well, you're still a great dad and like stuff like that. It like is a gut punch. And something about this movie is just, it's really, really smartly done. And God, I love it. All right, Heath, you're number one. I think of two options. Yeah. What do you think are the two? It's Bull Durham or field or um, field of dreams. It is field dreams. That's that was the one I would have gone with. But yeah, field of dreams, I think is the best baseball movie ever made. I think it is one of the best movies ever made. This one is about baseball, but in a very indirect way, it's actually about America and like the struggles that we do to try to find peace and happiness within our own system while still trying to like battle against what society and, and like, 
not to get too political, but like our capitalist needs require us to do, like he has to be a farmer. He has to do this. He, he can't be fantastical and, and make a baseball field in the middle of his farm and cut down his own crop. But you know what? Something's telling him that he needs to do this. And it just leads to this really crazy for those who haven't seen it, this like adventure where ghosts, literal ghosts of baseball's past, including the Black Sox from 1917 and Shoeless Joe Jackson come out of the cornfield and start playing baseball on the stadium that he built in the middle of Iowa. And it leads to this startling revelation about like, what does it mean to make you happy? What does it mean to actually appreciate the past while not destroying it while still building towards the future? It has terrific performances in it across the board. Kevin Costner is great. Amy Madigan as his wife, Annie, is awesome. Uh, Ray Loyota as Shoeless Joe Jackson. Rest in peace, Ray, who passed away earlier this year. He's great. Again, I mentioned earlier, Timothy Busfield. James Earl Jones is in this. And it's the ending of this movie, starting with James Earl Jones, that like wrecks me. I When I watch this movie, I cry for almost the last 20 minutes straight. Like It just destroys me. James Earl Jones gives the speech about baseball and what it means to this country and what it means to our society and how like people will come to the game and they'll feel that feeling of, of childhood that they've, they've forgotten and they didn't know like, and he go and he starts to wax poetic about it. And it just, it's, it's as if the whole world for one brief moment, everything doesn't suck and everything just calms down and you're like, it makes sense and we can be happy again. And then out of all of that, it ties into what is in it for me. And Kevin Costner is like, why did I do all this? And it comes back to a, a plot line that he's been struggling through. Like it was a B storyline or even C storyline, the whole movie. But then at the end, you realize it's actually the A storyline is that he's had real issues with himself where he didn't know what to do with his life because he had family problems with his dad. And it ends with this beautiful moment, which again, if you remember what I said at the beginning of all this baseball to me is my father, like that is my baseball connection. So this movie where it ends with his, his, his father, his dead dad coming out of the corn to play catch with him is there is nothing that like breaks me more as a human being. Like it owns me. Like I, even now just talking about it and thinking about it almost makes me want to cry. Like it is, gut-wrenching but in the most beautiful serene way possible i absolutely love field of dreams it was nominated for best picture in fact the last two movies that we've talked about moneyball and this were both nominated at the oscars for best picture there's a reason for it these are tremendous movies field of dreams is fantastic and is worth your time to go see it's just been uh too long since i've seen it to put it on on my list i need to check it out though i live like 70 minutes from dyersville so (laughs) yeah it's i mean it's to the i mean we can see the impact of it on society in general where like now we have field of dreams games last two seasons we've had this like moment that there's they actually built a baseball field in Iowa in the real MLB. Yeah, I mean, I, I echo a lot well, of they it. They built they built on a real. They they yeah. added to. <laughs> I yeah, I echo a lot of it. I think honestly, the big reason why, and this is you can I could make an argument that maybe this is the reason why I should have been in my top five. But the rig like the ending that you're talking about is it's the first time I ever cried in a movie. I remember watching it as a kid, and I was like, oh, movies can make you cry. Beat here we go, and it impacts me in such a way now as an adult that I can't, I have a really hard time even watching it. So that's the reason why I think I kind of was like, I can't, 
put it in my top five because I just like I can't. I have such an emotional I, reaction when it comes to the movie that I is like <laughs> tied up in things that I need to go through therapy about. <laughs> no, I, okay. I totally get it. Like I again, I this is in my top, I think, 20 of all time. Like I love yeah. this movie, but God, I can only watch this movie every five to 10 years because it it I literally the last 20 to 25 minutes, I will be crying and then I will subsequently be crying for like the next four hours. Like I can't do anything else like it just owns my day like oh i will watch this and do nothing else but be like a blob on the floor yeah but i, I mean i can totally do it in one time for some honorable mentions i have three i'll just throw them out real quick I, I shortened my list uh 42 i think is worth mentioning it's fine it should be better but it's not um hardball i think is a classic and um the bench warmers has a special place in my heart it's not a good movie <laughs> but i love it <laughs> That movie's so absurd. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but I love it. Wait, have you seen that movie as an adult? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I watched that like last year and I was like, man, some of this is. <laughs> oh, it is not good. It's just, it's, no, it's yeah. not good, but it, it's my sweet spot. It's so, so inappropriate. Yeah. All right, Nash, go. I mean, I mean on it, it's a lot of the movies that were like, uh, Amen Out was definitely on mine. I, I do want to throw out Bull Durham because. While I, you mentioned it earlier, where it's like not sometimes not a super realistic depiction of baseball, I think it is depicting a side of baseball that you don't see very often in terms of the minor leagues yep. and the grind. And I think it's another really great Kevin Costner performance. Yeah, I mean, I had 42 in here as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of the same. Uh, I'll try to be quick. Uh, I had eight men out and major league, which were both on some of your guys' lists. Those are awesome. Bull Durham, I agree, as just such a fun raunchy comedy an adult raunchy comedy and look at the minor leagues that's great uh as soon as susan sarandon and tim robbins as well uh the natural with robert redford is awesome uh i can't say enough about that one uh i also am a big fan of bad news bears if you want a kid's baseball movie that's really inappropriate bad news bears um the yeah the, <laughs> the original from the 70s not the billy bob thornton i'm talking walter Matthau and tatum o'neill and then uh, a couple more uh one is called catching hell this is a documentary about uh the steve barton play uh in the 2003 nlcs uh with the cubs trying to get to the world series and did a fan reach over the foul line into playing territory to catch a foul ball or not uh, that is fascinating uh if you have any in- interest in seeing that it's all about one one play from 2003. And then uh, I like this one a lot. Not many people have heard of it. It's called Take Me Out to the Ball Game. It's a 1949 film. It's actually a musical starring Frank Sinatra and Gene Kelly. It is awesome. They they play baseball, baseball for the St. Louis Wolves. And they are the best middle infielders in the game. And they're known for turning double plays. And they're trying to get to the World Series. But then one of them... Uh, gets caught up in also wanting to be in show business and putting on musicals during the season and starts to get tired and they find out it's because the mob is buying them off to do the musicals and make it so that they'll lose baseball games and like it's craziness but if you like musicals especially old school musicals with the talents of frank sinatra or gene kelly and it's baseball uh take me out to the ball game is good well that just leads us with the spinoff what is that one thing in any year of pop culture that you really want to tell everybody to check out or to stay away from? Heath, we'll start with you. Uh, for me, it is Overwatch 2. As of recording this, Overwatch 2 will be released in two days on October 4th. It is free to play, and I have been waiting for this game for literal years. 
they stopped making content for Overwatch one, I think in either 2019, yeah, like 2019. Uh, so it's been like three years since we've gotten any new content uh, because they were working on this and there's been a ton of drama at Blizzard and things that have delayed it and made it just so different than what it was originally going to be. But man, it's just exciting to have something new again and it looks really great. So uh, if you like first person hero shooters, this is for you. And Nash, what you got? Mine, mine is just going to be bros. Uh, the movie bros, uh, the, nice. the Billy Eichner comedy. I think it is hilarious. I think it's a beautiful story. Um, I went to, a, I went to a theater that was pretty full this weekend and people were laughing all the way throughout and like it's one of those, it's I mean it's one of the best romantic comedies to come out I would say in the last like twenty years and it has the potential I just think that it has legs to be one of the those movies you look back on and be like yeah this is one of the greatest romantic comedies in, in the genre it's just it's a story that you don't you don't you haven't seen a lot of and it's I think it's really great so nice I'm excited to check it out uh, it should be fun uh, my thing is as Heath alluded to earlier I've been watching all the Halloween films um, and because I've only ever seen the original and then the 2018 and then its sequel so I've been I watched uh, two uh, season of the witch revenge of the Michael Myers or return of Michael Myers revenge of Michael Myers curse of Michael Myers and H2O the past couple days because I've been sick um, so I sat on my couch and watched those and play video games and I'm just going to give a quick quick recap <clears throat> Halloween 2 is good. It's not great. It's good. Uh, Halloween 3 is great, and I don't understand why everybody hates it. I loved. I really loved it. Um, Seeds of the Witch is great. Um, you heard it here. Return of Michael Myers is overrated. It, it, it's it's mid, um, and uh, and I actually like the Revenge of Michael Myers more. Halloween 5, uh, slightly more. It's just a little bit more fun. Um, and then The Curse of Michael Myers, the theatrical cut is atrocious one of the worst movies i've ever seen but i really liked the producer's cut first like it was literally half a star for the theatrical cut and two and a half stars for the producer's cut that's how much a difference it made it was 45 minutes of different footage and man um awesome and then um h2o uh is is mid it's it's every 90s horror movie that there was which means it's 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 fine so that's my quick recap overall my big takeaway so far is Gosh, I really liked Season of the Witch. Okay. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's just low expectations, but I really liked Season of the Witch. Um, so I'll be wrapping that up the next couple days, hopefully. So here we go. That's a wrap. So quick reminder, uh, you can follow uh, Nash and uh, you can follow Nash on Letterboxd and Twitter at Nash underscore doll. You can follow Heath at uh, Letterboxd at that one Heath bar. Uh, at the, and I'll also have those in the episode descriptions. Um, so make sure you check out those. You can follow me on Twitter, Letterboxd, at White Castle. Quick reminder that Steve Pop Out Zoom is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. If you want to send some feedback for the show or get in contact with us for the B plot, maybe you want to write for Sifpop.com. Email writers room at Sifpop.com. We'd love to hook you up. And please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening over that way. Next week, I'm talking a comic book film with Joe and Luke. We'll be talking about Constantine, the Keanu Reeves film, with the uh, kind of fitting of October, as well as the recent announcement of a sequel with Keanu returning. And then next month, Joseph and Scott will be joining the show. I don't know what we're talking about yet. We'll figure it out soon, and I'll let you know. But that'll do it. Uh, Heath, Nash, thanks for hanging out, guys. I really appreciated it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. For sure. We'll do it again sometime. And uh, in the meantime, yeah, we'll just, I don't know, I guess go Cardinals. I don't know. Like, I don't really, I don't really have like a, 
I don't really have a, a horse in the race since my White Sox are going to be eliminated. And obviously the Red Sox are too. So like, go I, 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 I mean, I, I do kind of want to see, you know, Wado and Molina and Pujols like, what, you know, how cool how cool would it be if they won the World Series this year? They're not going to, but how cool it would, would it be, be very cool. <laughs> so so there you go. I'm officially Team Cardinals for the rest of the season. Uh, make sure you come back next week. We'll talk about Constantine. We'll see you then.